Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Fantasy Jocks. Looking to upgrade your league trophy? Check out FantasyJocks.com for championship belts, rings, trophies, and more. Sports Fix listeners, don't wait all day or all week to get in on the fun. The party doesn't stop when we go off the air all week long. The Sports Fix social media sites are your one-stop shop for all things Cleveland sports. Jump over to Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix. Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix and become a fan today because we love fans and they create some of the best sports talk in town, Daddy. You'll enjoy talking to your fellow Cleveland sports fans on The Sports Fix fan page. And if Twitter's your thing, well, you know how we do it. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. It's that simple. Twitter.com slash the Sports Fix CLE, baby. Chat live with the crew during all your favorite Cleveland sports events, tickets and contests and trivia and so much more. Get with us today, the Sports Fix on social media. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. Join, Join the, the Sports, sports Fix, Fix on Facebook and Twitter today. today. I'm Tyler Zeller, and you're listening to the Sports Fix. Live in Ohio, it's time to get your fix. The Sports Fix. And away we go. OH, baby, off and running. Follow that up with the I.O. and a national championship edition of the Sports Fix is on the air. Because as you know, uh, as many of you uh, stayed up and hopefully reveled in last night, Ohio State did not just win the national championship. uh, They stomped, stomped the Oregon Ducks and just uh, cemented their place in history. Not just for winning the first I guess, you know, as I keep saying, official national title game, but the first that had a playoff attached to it. But I'm telling you, and uh, and I, I'm going to ask you guys throughout the show, I'll talk to Jeff Gorman in a little bit. Dr. Football's with us. I'm going to ask Dan Wismar tomorrow his thoughts as well as far as, man, name me a few others. You, I mean, we can probably dig up a couple of inspirational seasons, not just – Ohio State, but in in college football, in sports, <laughs> but it's going to be up there. Uh, this is going to be up there, no doubt at all. Uh, Urban Meyer was not over speaking, I don't think, 
when he said this is one of the great stories in college football history. And again, I challenge anybody to think about that, not uh, in a in an argumentative way. Think about it and holler back at me and let me know what you've got because it's up there for sure. And a lot of things to talk about today. The game itself, obviously, the way it played out. A lot of things to come out of this game. Before we even go anywhere, I'm just going to throw this out there now. You can tell me I'm crazy and stop listening if you want. Something in my gut tells me that we may have seen the only three games Cardale Jones ever plays for the Ohio State Buckeyes. You can tell me I'm nuts. I'm not being one of those guys that goes, oh, wow, he won some games. Now he should go to the NFL. He's from Ohio State. Yay, go draft him to the Browns. Draft that man to the Browns. Whatever team takes him uh, to me is is developing a diamond in the rough because he has a very rare set of physical tools, even if it's very underdeveloped. Dan Wismar and I yesterday, I think Dan thought I was crazy when I threw that out there and said, hey, if I'm, if I'm Cardell Jones and we win this game and, and I look good, I'm out. But But think about this, the way he played last night, to me, Never. I don't care if he comes out and wins the Heisman next year. Never, to me, could his draft stock be any higher than it is right now. He has such a limited sample size. He came up huge in three huge moments as a third-string guy. He's got a rare gift of physical tools. To me, this guy could declare that he's coming out and sit back without throwing another football and be that guy who rises up from listening to Gruden and Kuyper and all these guys and everybody talk him up. Next thing you know, he'll go from, well, should a team spend a draft pick on him, to, well, he's a mid, mid-round mid developmental guy. These cats, if they could talk people into Johnny Manziel and Brandon Wheaton and some of this stuff that we've seen, tell me that you couldn't talk. Let these talking heads, some team will not talk Cardale Jones right into the first round of the draft, man. Whether he deserves it or not, I'm not saying. I mean, that's clearly a developmental project. But, man, I'd sure love to develop that here in Cleveland, man. I'm just saying. We love hometown stories. But my gut tells me, as crazy as it sounds, I said it yesterday, we may have seen the only three college football games that uh, that young man plays because I just cannot see a scenario where – his stock could be any higher. Anyways, uh, as we get into it, oh, Charles Morgan in the chat room. I have to give him a shout-out before we even get rolling with the show. Nobody could get it closer than the score that he predicted yesterday. Charles laid it out. 42-21 to 21 was his prediction. 42-20, to 20, the final score. I'll tell you what, uh, Coach Tress uh, also nailed it yesterday. He had predicted 38-20, to 20, and a lot of people uh, got on him on the national uh, stage when he said that, but he predicted Jim Trestle thirty-eight to twenty, forty-two to twenty. The score there, but uh, yeah, Charles, yeah, pat yourself on the back because you came within one point of nailing that perfect forty-two points. For those of you that listened yesterday, Dan Wismar and I were talking about this. Of all the predictions that we got, the largest number of one score was forty-two. Thirty-seven different people in their predictions had. 
42 as the score for Ohio State. No other individual score was close. So we were joking about it yesterday, and they really did hit 42 a bunch of times anyway. And when they scored that final touchdown, I looked at my son and I said, they're going to score 42. And he laughed, and he had school yesterday, so he did not listen to the show. He goes, why is that so funny? I said, because we literally talked about the number 42 being the magic number on today's show. And boom. They nailed it. So if you listen, you know why that was uh, funny. I had a few of you even hit me up last night and go, what's up with the 42? I said, I know. But anyways, congratulations to Charles there for nailing that score. And uh, we're going to talk about the game, obviously, a lot. First hour dedicated here, Ohio State Buckeyes, national champions. This one is not controversial it's not uh, there's nobody that was left out of the dance I don't care TCU I don't want to hear it there is nobody that can argue with this one and the Ohio State Buckeyes first uh, formal playoff style national champions Jeff Gorman normally we do the baseball thing today but uh, not today man it is national championship Tuesday baby as the Ohio State Buckeyes have now won the fifth most national titles in the era of the polls and the national title since 1936, the only schools to have won more national titles now than the Buckeyes. Alabama leads the way with 10, Notre Dame with 8, Oklahoma and USC just one more than the Buckeyes at 7. So next season, the Buckeyes can look ahead to tying that one because, brother, this wasn't even supposed to happen until next year. Dan and I have been saying, you know, Dan's our regular uh, Buckeye conversation, and we've been all season long talking about, boy, this is really all set up for next year. And this season was supposed to be to, to get as much as you could out of it, especially after the stuff early on. And then, man, I'll tell you what. Can you say, and I'm not doing, this is not the usual, hey, we win a few games and now we feel good about ourselves. Can you say dynasty and seriously think ahead to the next couple of seasons, the recruits that are still coming? Speaking of, this is this is where you're at when you're Urban Meyer. You're winning a national title, and at halftime, you're locking up recruits at the same time, man. Uh, you got to love that. For those of you guys that didn't notice, we'll talk more about that later on here. A couple of recruits uh, commit during halftime of this thing last night. But, man, just a... Uh, a feel-good night, and like I said, think ahead for the next few years. Look at what's coming. I think they've got a half a dozen more quarterbacks eligible to play next year, man. So I'll tell you what, going to be a lot of fun in the future. Going to be a lot of fun today to talk about it. Let's do it, and I want to talk to you, of course, so let's get rolling. Welcome, my friends, to the Sports Fix. J-Rock with you here. That's me, Jerry Myers. If you're here for the first time or if you're here every day, welcome in live across the Sports Fix radio network. Maybe you're enjoying the show on TuneIn and TuneIn's radio apps worldwide. Maybe you're listening on Spreaker and Mixler and their digital applications. Shout out to everybody enjoying the show live as well. On our home base, thesportsfix.net, it is your one-stop shop for all things Cleveland sports and sports fix, replays of the show, all of that bookmark it today. Plus, if any of the sites that whatever you're listening to the show on right now if there's ever a day where it fails if there's ever a day where it's not working sometimes that stuff happens fail safe you could always go jump right on the sportsfix.net show blast live you don't even have to hit the play button i made it safe and easy for lazy people like myself you just go to the site and like manna from the heavens boom that voice just starts talking to you at noon. So anyways, bookmark it. You can tell I'm feeling good today. That and a couple of pots of coffee already. Just a limited amount of sleep last night. And uh, anyways, 
having a good time today as we get rolling. Welcome in as well, all of you listening on Digital Delay 24-7 around the world on iHeartRadio and iTunes and Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, all the different places that you listen to the show. Thank you so much and participate today. Be a part of the show. Let's hear from you. Phones are open early, but then we're going to get a little bit busy and I'll open them back up late. 216-539-7535. The number to call, 216-539-7535. Hit us up as well on our social media, Facebook and Twitter. People do it all the time. It continues to go. Matter of fact, our our, uh, social media continues to expand. I think we're up over 23,000 combined followers. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Twitter, tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Of course, you can email us anytime, day or night. The sports fix at AOL.com. Actually, any of that, anytime. This is social media. This is 2015. We are open for business 24 hours a day. That's why I never get any sleep. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Email us the sports fix at AOL.com. Before we get Jeff Gorman on, we'll start talking about the ins and outs of some different things, looking at the uh, the tail of the tape yesterday and look at the way the game played out, uh, kind of, you know, kind of close to what Dan and I were talking about. I kind of foresaw a quick start for Oregon, and I said I, th- I could see them going up 14 points early on, 14-3, something like that. Wasn't quite that much, but they did jump out there early, and you're thinking, man, okay, Right away, here comes Oregon. I think they didn't even go to a third down on that first drive. It was another one of those uh, less than three-minute specials that they're known for. And you're going, okay, Buckeyes, answer right back. And at first, they, they didn't. And, you know, you're going, boy, this could be a long night, man. And you're thinking, especially if you're, a you know, all of us here in, in the Buckeye state that thought, okay, Nobody else thinks the Buckeyes can do this, but these Buckeyes can play. At first, you're going, man, are we wrong? I'm not going to lie. My first few minutes, I'm going, man, man, you know what? This is the same way they started before, sit tight. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you go, man, is uh, is this really? Maybe we were seeing it with the rose-colored, scarlet-colored glasses. But, no, uh, very quickly, uh, it took that drive. They went down. Oregon did their thing. The Buckeyes defense started to figure things out just like with Alabama. You could feel you could feel them grabbing hold of that game. You could feel the tide turning against the tide. No pun intended. Same thing here. You could feel it. Once they forced a couple of punts, by the end of the first quarter, I think Oregon had punted more than they had all season put together. No, I, I think that I did see they punted three times in the first quarter they had not punted three times in one quarter previously since 2009. So it had been about a half a decade since they punted three times in one quarter. And you could feel it beginning to turn. But even then, hey, man, this was this was good. This was like with Alabama, man. You know, when you're taking on the best. And that's really, seriously, guys, that's what these games felt like. Not so much FSU and uh, Oregon. That game was a smash. But, you know... Or, or excuse me, Alabama and Ohio State, even with the the domination in the trenches and the way Ohio State ran them down late, Alabama had some some shots back. There was still some of that that Rocky and Apollo Creed, you know, two greats, and I've still got one more for you. And Ohio State had to play till the end with that game there. Same thing here. You still had a good team on the other side, but man, by the fourth quarter, they were broken. Just like you could say. Same thing. Oh, it was almost like what you saw in reverse of what they did 
to Florida State. By the end of that game, they were just getting knocked off the ball. And, I mean, you saw, saw the offensive line getting knocked around. It, just, it, it was that snow, proverbial snowball rolling downhill for Oregon at the end of the game. Mariota was getting beat up, and uh, it just it rolled from there. But you could feel that game shifting practically from the first drive. It took a little while, and then there was still some, you know, some moments where you go, hey, you know, they get within one point all of a sudden. Every time it seemed like the Buckeyes got a little bit of room and you start to go, man, here we go, getting right back into it. You know, Oregon came back, but man, you know what they didn't have? They didn't have the hammer known as Zeke Elliott. I told you guys uh, that was my pregame pick for the MVP. Now that I got right, no doubt. Uh, I was a little bit off on the score, but Zeke was the hammer. Look at what... Look at what Ezekiel Elliott did. Talk about Cardell Jones and what he did. Look at what Ezekiel Elliott did in the three-game run here to get the Buckeyes into the promised land. Just unbelievable stuff. Last night, smashing records once again. Uh, just a, a beast, a beast. I was having fun watching Mo Clorette tweet last night during the game. He's like, "This kid's gonna gonna be better than all of us." You just watch. He's gonna he's gonna top every one of the great running backs by the time he's done. And uh, I, I dig seeing that kind of appreciation from somebody who's in that grouping, you know. And uh, you can see it though, man. That man just there was no answer for him, man. He was he was an absolute animal when they needed it. And they rode him to the championship, man. And there you go. But, I mean, look at that. Talk about those three-game runs. It'll go in not just Buckeyes history, but college football, I think. It'll go in the storybooks. The three-game stretch that both, but as a team, that the Buckeyes had, obviously, the whole season. But particularly Cardale Jones, the guy that came out of nowhere from the third string. I'm telling you. From the third string to the NFL in three games or less. That's what my gut tells me. But regardless, uh, the run that he had, and then as well, Zeke Elliott, literally the run that he had to put it through. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about it. We're going to get Jeff Gorman. Let's do that now. Let's get the first break out of the way so we can keep this train rolling. Get Jeff Gorman in here and talk some more about this. So don't go anywhere. Sit tight. Guys, if you want to keep the conversation going, Hit us up, Facebook and Twitter. What are your thoughts on last night's game? Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix. CLE, I see Vishon in the chat room. Sorry, man, but you may be a few minutes late. But your boy Charles in the chat room. Nobody got the game closer than him. 42 to 21. I got to give it to him, man. He came a point away from nailing that bad boy perfecto. We're going to talk about all of that. Talk about the TV ratings. Most watched thing in ESPN history last night. Should be. I mean, they had the massive package put together, which was actually pretty cool. Some of the game film stuff and the uh, different things that they did. But anyways, we're going to talk about all of that. Let's keep this conversation going. Bucks and Ducks. Jeff Gorman from IndiansandBrowns101.com joins us next. Dr. Football in a little bit. We'll talk some more about the national championship game. And then, of course, you know, Dr. Football being a draft nick for 30 years. We'll talk a little bit about perhaps whose draft stock went where you know where i'm at with some of those guys already but uh, we'll talk about some of that here who came out of the game looking smelling like a rose here when it comes to the nfl draft plus nfl coaching carousel going on already john fox out rex ryan in in buffalo we'll talk about all of that Cavs tonight a ton to do but we're talking buckeyes baby national championship buckeyes jeff gorman joins the conversation when we come back you keep 
keep your thoughts rolling. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix. C L E email us the sports fix at AOL.com. Jeff Gorman, Browns 101.com joining us next to talk more bucks and ducks and the national championship here on the sports fix. Don't go anywhere, baby. The Sports Fix, the show that asks the question. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Question. We'll be right back. Sports Fix listeners, you've heard me talking about it. Millionaires being made all season long at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. I've been playing there, too. It's now J-Rock's favorite one-week fantasy football site. What's one-week fantasy football? That means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want. Have a player who's hurt? That's no problem at all because you change everything week to week. Injuries don't derail your chance at victory. It's a new season every week. You're never stuck with the same players. You can pick your team in just minutes and be on your way to winning huge cash. This season, one listener turned 10 bucks into 5,000. Another turned $2 into 10 grand, and a new millionaire has been crowned nearly every week this season at draftkings.com. You could be next. Imagine winning a million dollars in one day. A million dollars just for playing fantasy football at DraftKings.com. Head to DraftKings.com now and use promo code SPREAKER to play for free in the $10 million Fantasy Football World Championships. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter SPREAKER now at DraftKings.com. Sports Fix listeners, like us on Facebook today. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Football season is party season at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead. Everyone wins at Harry Buffalo. Every Saturday is Coors Light College Football Saturday with six dollar pitchers, four bottles for ten bucks, and the Buckeyes in full HD. Football season is most definitely party season, and your headquarters is Harry Buffalo North Olmstead all winter long. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. 
Have you gotten your copy of Cleveland's Finest yet? Highlighting the best moments, players, and media members in Cleveland sports history? depth personal interviews with some of the top names in Cleveland sports fill the pages of this incredible book. Cleveland's Finest by Vince McKee is this year's must-have book for every Cleveland sports fan. Available now at Amazon.com. Copy today. Fantasy sports lovers, you put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and, and starts, starts getting, getting real. real. And when the smoke clears, you want to show off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Nobody, Nobody does, does that, that like, like Fantasy, fantasy Jocks. Jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts, rings, trophies, and so much more for all your fantasy sports needs. There's literally only one place to go. FantasyJocks.com Hello Cleveland, this is WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley and you are listening to the Sports Fix. Yeah! Good to hear that start playing as the clock ticked down last night in the Ohio State Buckeyes, baby, raising the flag on an, seriously, an improbable 2015 national championship. It's the 2015, I guess, even though they only, you know, they only won the tail end of it in 2015. The rest of it was the 2014 season. Either way it goes, man, I'll tell you, again, I challenge you guys, not just immediately, but over the next few days as we're talking, as we talk on our social media, all the conversations we have, uh, let me know if you guys have got some other ones. I know there's a few that are up there as far as the combination of circumstance and inspirational value and actual tangible what they did on the field, man. I got to tell you, there's... uh, there's not many. This is going to be right up there for sure. And uh, I, and again, think think about it, brother. Seriously, keeping it real. This was this was supposed to be. Hey, imagine what this team's going to be next year. This was. Hey, oh man, they're going to pull it together and show some good things. And boy, it's really going to come together next year. And uh, next year came early, and next year's still on the horizon as well. So I'm telling you. Uh, this is, again, I, I say not the happy homer stuff that you get sometimes when, you know, people win three games in a row and they buy their Super Bowl tickets a hair early. But uh, I'm telling you, this is uh, this is potential dynasty stuff coming here over the next few seasons with the Buckeyes and Urban Meyer, too. I have that conversation. Where does he go? Because he now continues. There's a lot of people that don't care for him. A lot of people that don't care for the Buckeyes. And that's the thing. That's how you know. Seriously, that's how you know how impressive what Ohio State did this year was is, man, even the the truly anti, well, not all of them. You should have heard a couple of the nasty messages we got this morning. But the majority of the, the sensical anti-Buckeyes people, even they had to go, man, I don't know where you where you pick holes with this one here. Let's talk about it all. Keep talking about the, the tales of the game here. Jeff Gorman's 
going to join us usually. Hey, man, we blew the format out the window today, so it doesn't matter what we usually do. Jeff's going to talk some Buckeyes with us here. You keep talking with us. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Email us the sports fix at AOL.com. And let's do it. Let's go to the phones here as soon as I find the button. There we go. Jeff Gorman. Browns and Indians 101.com. It doesn't matter. We're not talking Browns or Indians. We're not talking about anything but Buckeyes 101 today as the Buckeyes seriously uh, put the exclamation point. They dotted the I, as they said at the end of the game last night on uh, not only the script Ohio, but a national championship out of the playoffs. With that, Jeff Gorman joining me. Jeff, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic, J-Rock. I appreciate you. Uh, allowing me to go a little bit off book to be able to talk about Ohio State. And I know that I didn't go there, but I know that all of us in Ohio, you can wake up today and say it's a great day to be a Buckeye. Oh, absolutely. You know, again, normally, to, no offense, I'm very rarely the guy to uh, to do this, but uh, I will never ditch uh, an Indians conversation for draft talk or any of that nonsense. But it is a special occasion today, of course, traditionally, Jeff, doing some Indians talk. We've got plenty of time, by the way, for Mondays left until the uh, spring training starts. But anyways, uh, yeah, last night, a great one. And when you texted me this morning and said, what are we talking about? I said, Buckeyes, of course. (laughs) What else are we talking about today? Because uh, that's where the focus is. What were your thoughts last night watching the game? First off, I I don't think I got a chance. I don't know if I – did we talk last week? What were your thoughts going into the game and then how it played out? Well, I did actually pick uh, Ohio State to win the game when we talked on Friday. That's right. And um, yeah. I was I was uh, very pleasantly, I uh, was very well, I wouldn't say surprised, but I was happy to see you know Ohio State really stick with their own guns and play to their own strength because of course there's all the hype coming in about all the very well deserved hype I should say with uh, Oregon and Marcus Mariota with all they did and the way they absolutely destroyed Florida State. And, you know, you come in and say, well, gee, how if they put 59 up on Florida State, what's going to happen against Ohio State? But, you know, they just were not rattled, even internally. You know, they, they, you know, they were just very well prepared, even with the, what they did with the whole having the offensive lineman lose a little bit of weight. Not that that was really, you know, anything that really affected things possibly psychologically for them, you know, made them feel like they had a little bit of a boost. You know, they were, uh, they were, chirping all week about, you know, how Oregon's running a play every 16 seconds is getting them prepared to play at that pace, and it was just a, a master stroke of, of coaching just to get this team prepared for the game and to and to, to play their way, and to, and if you look at the way the game went, this really was more of an Ohio State, it was more, really more like watching an Ohio State game than like watching a typical Oregon game, and that was the uh, difference. Absolutely. I mean, the physicality, you could just really, they took took hold of that one. And, you know, for, for the grief that Fickle gets and different guys, you know, I, I get I get I get a lot of the criticism. I'm not saying that things aren't uh, deserved from time to time, but look at just the last two games. Both of these times or both of these games, similar situations. The other team comes out and does their thing and you're going, oh, boy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
boy, what are we? But but each time it was almost like that's what Ohio State. I'm not gonna say that's what they wanted. You don't want the other team to just come and walk right down on you. But boom, here's what we're up against. Now we see it in real time, in real speed. We can talk it up all we want. Now we've seen it. All right, let's adjust. And that's what they did a hell of a job with was adjusting and changing things on the fly, figuring things out quickly and shutting it down and then just taking control of those games. Right, and that's something that Oregon has been able to do throughout the year is to capitalize on turnovers. And it's as great as it was to see Ohio State win. They won by 22 points, but they caught the ball up four times. And, you know, usually that's an absolute recipe for disaster uh, for any Oregon opponent. And, you know, they kept, you know, they just kept their heads. And, you know, those are momentum-changing plays the other way. But, you know, sometimes they bent a little bit, you know, like the big pass down the field for Oregon. But, you know, they didn't allow Oregon to grab the momentum and seize it. And I think the reason why was because they were able to control the ball on the ground. I mean, just imagine, you know, you talk about how Oregon puts up so many points and so many yards, and they did pretty well. But, you know, when you only hold the ball for 22 and a half minutes, there's only so many points that you can score. Absolutely, and you you bring up the turnovers. Think about that. Think about if Ohio State did not turn the ball over the way that they did, uh, yeah. what potentially could have happened because that was, it, for all intents and purposes, what was keeping Oregon in the game for a while. Right, especially in the first half when it was pretty close. You know, Ohio State was popping the ball up and Oregon was coming down. Like you said, it wasn't necessarily the points that Oregon was scoring or was not scoring, but, you know, if Ohio State could have just hung out of the ball and just kept motoring down the field, they could have scored 50-some points on Oregon. It really could have gone down as, you know, even more of a blowout than it, than it was. I mean, this was not a close game, and it's amazing how when we talk about the overall specter of the, the BCS and now going into the college playoff system, this is a game that would <laughs> last year... Wouldn't have happened. It would have been... Alabama versus Oregon, the two teams that Ohio State beat, and Ohio State would have been on the outside looking in. And it just shows how they were able to get the chance to beat them both on the field, and that is really gratifying. Absolutely. And, I mean, you can already, I'm sure, hear the wheels turning on how they can continue because, you know, you can't, you can't, you always have to improve on it, even when it doesn't necessarily need it. This was the first year with that. But, yeah, think about it. And, I, I mean, obviously, we're in a good mood because Ohio State won. But for for the first time, you don't have, there is no specter looming over this. And I know some years you do end up with an undisputed, but most, most of the time you don't. There was somebody who was left out, somebody who didn't get to play, et cetera, so forth. And same thing here. You might be able to say somebody felt left out but you can't argue with the way this thing played itself out. The two victories Ohio State got were incredibly uh, impressive, and they answered both of the questions that people thought that they couldn't answer. Same thing on the other side. I mean, Oregon took care of their business first, and then they got handled second. But the way it played out, there's no no doubt, no dispute, no questions. And, uh, and like you said, it really shines a light on just what a better – say what you want if it should be – six teams, eight teams, eventually it'll be they'll find a way to put 24 teams in the thing and make more <laughs> money off of it. But it shows what a what a difference it is than the BCS because, as you said, these teams wouldn't even have been there. I don't know if either of them would have. You may have had Alabama and Florida State if there was a, a, a yeah. final game there, you know. So either of these teams could have not been there, and that's the stark 
the stark bright light shown on what this changed is that at least you don't have a scenario like that. And it makes you go, man, you wonder, you know, what could have, you can't go backwards, but at least now going forward, you can hope that the best teams, at least the best at the top, maybe somebody will feel left out, but the best teams will play each other and more years than not, the best team will win. Right. It's not even going to be like, well, one team had a good game, one team had a bad game. You've got to have at least two good games. Of course, more if they expand it down the road. But there's no, you know, there's no backing your way through. And that's just pretty much like the NFL, the Super Bowl. You know, you got to buy through. You you still got to win a couple games and then win the Super Bowl. So, you know, it was a very satisfying situation to see, you know, the, the championship being celebrated on the field with the trophy and the confetti, knowing that you don't have to wake up and, and see, well, how did the polls go? You know, it's, it was very, very decisive. And that was very, it was interesting to see how the, uh, the whole era began with the college football playoff because, of course, the first basketball championship was also Oregon and Ohio State back in 1939. That was played at my school, Northwestern, and Oregon won that one. So Ohio State got a very belated measure of revenge. <laughs> there you go. Way to tie that back into history. And I, let me ask you something, man. There's a lot of different uh, angles coming out of this. So let me start with Urban Meyer, man. What do you think this does to him? When I talked about people, they don't like, you know, some people don't care for Urban Meyer, don't care for Ohio State, et cetera. But, you know, Urban Meyer now joins Nick Saban, the only two head coaches there to win national titles at that level with two different schools. He's got three national titles now to go with the two that he won at Florida. And and as we as I was saying, I think you see it too on the cusp of more. Uh, regardless of you know, dynasty is a big word, but there's a few big years coming for this Buckeyes team where they'll be right in the mix with everybody else at least at, at a worst case situation. So you know, what does this do? Where does this put him in your mind? Does it just continue to move him up the list of some of the better coaches of all time in college football history? Oh, yes, definitely. I think that he's in a situation where, you know, he's in a great spot. He's already got three championships under his belt. As Like you mentioned, uh, just him and Nick Saban at two different schools. You know, that's pretty rarefied there as it is. But you got to realize he's only 50 years old, and he's at his destination. This is where he's always wanted to be from, of course, growing up in Ashtabula. When he was down in Florida, he would talk about wanting to go to Ohio State. And, you know, eventually he finally got that opportunity. And now, you know, he's got – you know, a lot of time and a lot of talent and a lot of positive momentum talking about, you know, the next several years with, you know, recruiting, you know, you're going to get the best recruits out of Ohio and a lot of good ones from around the country that maybe you didn't get because like, uh, like Lee Stigl said yesterday, this is a really special place. And, you know, I, so he's got a chance to really, you know, if, if, if everything goes well, you know, with his health and everything, as long as everything holds up, he could eventually go down as one of the top three or four, uh, head coaches of all time, as long as things keep rolling the way they are, because he couldn't have any more positive momentum than he has right now. For sure. And, you know, the same storyline that we've talked about that makes the Ohio State story so amazing also validates, I think, a, a part. It, and this is where people may differ on who gets credit. And, and nobody, everybody, it's all or nothing. And Twitter's the same way. It, one person's <laughs> got to get all the credit for something always. I mean, it's usually a whole bunch of people that have to do with how things happen, you know, how people develop. But there's always, hey, this coach made him great. Well, it was him and like 12 other people helped, but whatever. But, you 
you know, how much of the credit do you think and how much more validation does it give Urban Meyer looking at how many quarterbacks the Bucks went through this season? And, I mean, to me, that's a lot. I mean, to steady the ship in all aspects of being a head coach and then deal with just one change at the main position there, but multiple ones, and then be able to not only have them ready to play, which as we've seen, say what you want, man, but having them ready to play is not the easiest thing. Browns had all season long to have John Manziel ready to play. I'm just saying there's no guarantee those cats are always ready to play, but you get them ready to play and then have them able to go out there, have the confidence that they do. Granted, Cardale Jones is a special guy, and so is JT Barrett, and so is Braxton Miller. But, you know, I think Urban Meyer has to get a hand in the credit there as well, too, on being able to keep that ship moving. Definitely. You know, there's two levels of that. One of them is attracting that kind of talent to your program, and the other is, like you said, getting them ready to play. And, you know, not many coaches have had the rapid fire through all three of those, all three of their quarterbacks like that. And, of course, not all of them have that level of talent. And I think back to, uh, a few years ago when Colt McCoy was at Texas and he got hurt and then the backup came in and did the best he could, but he just wasn't able to get it done. And, you know, here you're talking about the number three quarterback, although you look at him and say, how can this guy be a number three quarterback? But, you know, it really, it really bodes well for him. And, it's, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see who the quarterback is going to be next year because it's really, you know, an embarrassment of riches right now. Oh, yeah, and not not even getting on the ones that people don't know that are coming through the pipes here soon. But you know what? Let's let's go there for a minute since you brought that up. In the last few hours, it's been a lot of conversation. I know everybody's speculating who's going to do what. Braxton Miller got some headlines going because he did not commit to anything he's going to do moving forward. And I think his answer, so many people are looking. We, Dan and I talked about this yesterday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So many people are just looking at Braxton Miller just going to go somewhere else so he can start. Assuming there's a lot of different things uh, that go into that thought process, but that's all taking the assumption that he's just going to jump back on the football field and be a starting quarterback at that level, which there's no guarantee. Braxton Miller doesn't even know that he can do that. And I think that's the line there that people are looking past already is he said, hey, I've got to get back on the football field first. That's where my focus is before I worry about anything else. Of course, he's going to have to evaluate the situation. JT Barrett playing good soldier. He's like, no, no, we're all going to come back and compete. Cardale Jones is like, hey, man, I don't know if I can be a backup again. But Cardale Jones is not silly. Cardale Jones has people in his ear, in my opinion, right now 
telling him what I said at the start of the show, which is your value can only go down. I, I truly believe, even if it stays high, it can never be at the peak because it's that unknown quantity that it is right now. I, I'm telling you, I do not think Car- I don't think Cardale Jones can resist the temptation that's about to come calling from the NFL. So that changes the equation too. But where, where are you at with the quarterbacks? And as you said, embarrassment of riches, but maybe not as much so because it's three unique sets of circumstances here. Yeah, it's very interesting and very unique, especially with Jones not having that much of a of a track record. I mean, it's, a, it's a great track record, but it's just a three game track record. But yet he has such, you know, such great physical ability. You know, he's uh, you know, if you say, well, what kind of quarterback would I like? I mean, he would look and act a lot like Cardinal Jones from a size standpoint, from the arm strength and his uh, mobility. You know, he pretty much has it all physically. He just needs, you know, just the more. On experience to do. In fact, he doesn't necessarily even need it because he already won the national championship. So he can certainly succeed even with a very limited amount of experience. It's going to be interesting to see if he were to go, you know, I think that if he were to go in the NFL draft, he would get drafted no later than the second round simply based on his physical acumen because, you know, yeah. even if he has to sit for a year or so, you know, that's the kind of quarterback you want and you can coach him up and then you might possibly have that guy that you always want, you know, you're that, that mainline elite top level quarterback, especially from an arm strength standpoint, because it's just such a rarity. You know, he, he was talking, you know, he's talked about, you know, how he wants to stay at Ohio State and, you know, he wants to earn his degree, which is really great and really admirable. But like you said, you know, it's, his stock couldn't possibly be higher than it is right now. And I personally wouldn't blame him if he went pro and just, See what he could do because, you know, college will always be there. You know, if you're 45 years old, you can always go back to college. I mean, because to me, I mean, there's a lot of, and again, there's a lot of elements in play. But if I'm looking at things, if I'm Cardale Jones, there's only a couple of scenarios that play out next season. I'm either coming back to Ohio State to compete for the job, and if I don't win it, then I'm a backup and I'm doing the same thing I did last year, which I'm just saying that, you know, you can say, well, the the process was supposed to work out this way, but the process got escalated and elevated quickly. And that's just, that's just the way that goes. But you know, your other two options are, do I go elsewhere and stall things out? And so I can go start somewhere else and clear it up. Or if I'm going to go elsewhere, Will I go elsewhere and just get paid for it? And I think when that becomes the decision, like now if he wants to come back and quarterback Ohio State, then that'll bring him back. But other than that, the decision is, do I compete or do I go get paid to play football? And I, I just, I, I don't know, man. Knowing knowing, uh, knowing the things that are about to be coming his way, I could truly see him being uh, swept up in the temptation to go, man. And I can see, like I said at the beginning of the show, what do you think? Couldn't you see Cardale Jones being that guy who after 6, 8, 10, 12 weeks ad nauseum of uh, Mel Kuyper and, and Chucky Gruden and all these guys sitting down and having their, their scouting reports and their game rooms and their film stuff and all of their conversations, they'll convince you that he's the number one pick in the draft in three months or less. Oh, he's good. I can totally see that happening because yes. as we've seen, 
in the offseason, you know, when, when it's building up to the draft, the, the quarterbacks just sort of magically kind of rise to the top, like we saw with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater and with Manziel, you know, oh, the quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three. A lot of times, you know, the hype is like that. They just naturally get elevated. And then, you know, sometimes they kind of come back down. But, you know, again, I think that he's, you know, he's in a very, very good position because even if he goes back to Ohio State and backs up, that's really not the worst thing in the world. He's already got a national championship victory in his back pocket. And even if he sits for some of his college career, you know, when he does finally come out to the NFL, people are going to remember him and say, hey, that's the guy who won the championship for Ohio State. You know, so uh, he's in a really good position here. There's really almost nothing he could do wrong, of course, except to possibly leave Ohio State, which I really don't see him doing. I think as long as he stays in Ohio State or goes to the NFL, eventually, you know, he's going to be fine either way. If I'm the Browns right now, I'm digging through some arcane parts of the NFL rulebook. I'm looking to see if any aspects of the territorial supplemental draft still exist in any way, perhaps. Uh, maybe claiming a supplemental pick. Hey, you don't want to come out? That's cool. We're just going to draft you anyway. and we'll just, we'll just hold on to your draft rights here, just in case you change your mind. But uh, remember the old territorial draft. Back in the day, that's how the draft went. Like, you know, guys come from Northeast Ohio would go to the Browns when they came out. And got, you know that's the way it used to be, anyways. But uh, yeah, I think the, I think the USFL did that too, didn't they? Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, wait a minute, man. You know how we 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 kind of just stockpiled those USFL guys? Can we just stockpile some of these Buckeye yeah. quarterbacks in the supplemental draft? Can we just like draft the rights to the next three Ohio State quarterbacks? I'm just saying, and a running back, by the way, because we're sitting here talking, rightfully so, about Cardale Jones and what he's done. How about Big Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott? Not just last night setting records and just smashing faces on the way to the MVP, but through the last three, all season long, but culminating with these last three games, just running over one after another, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Oregon, and, and man, talk, you can't say enough about what Ezekiel Elliott has done, and I was mentioning, uh, looking at seeing some of the great running backs and other Ohio State players talk about him, Mo Claret saying, this kid's going to score us all before he's done and you can see it uh that kid's just beginning oh yeah he was just dynamite he was really the engine that drove everything for Ohio State last night and the best thing he did was he made it so Carnell Jones didn't have to put it all on himself he didn't have to match Mariota's you know pass for pass because you know Jones had a pretty decent game not not a great game from a statistical standpoint I think his rating was only like a 58 or so but he didn't have to because, you know, Ezekiel was doing it on the ground and the way he, he was, you know, cutting and the, and he really had that sort of Earl Campbell slash Kevin Max type quality to just not go down on the first contact, to bounce off people, to keep going. And he was just rumbling through guys. He would go through piles and he'd come out on the other side. So, and the, the fact that he could do that now is just a sophomore, you know, there's a, Ohio State has a lot more of uh, good stuff to see from Ezekiel Elliott, no matter who the quarterback is next year. And the offensive oh, yeah. line, you got to give them credit, too. They really did a super job of springing some holes open for Elliott. And you know what? You could see them adjusting throughout the game, too, because early on, I kind of talked, that's kind of into what I was saying about the way the game played early on. 
you know, Oregon came with it, and it took a minute for the Buckeyes to adjust. They were getting through that offensive line a bit. They were getting back there for much of the first half. They were they were rushing things a little bit, but as you said, good job not only to continue to pound and continue to, to wear them down, but good job of adjusting throughout the game by the offensive line as they continued to pick up the different uh, rush. And, and, and then, too, that was a bit confusing, too, because then you see a lot of three-man rushes in the second half, and you're like, man, I don't know. But Regardless, either way, uh, the way it played out, uh, Ohio State just got stronger and stronger and continued to pound down in the second half. That's right. It really worked out well, and that's the way that they were able to beat Oregon was to be able to get those long, sustained drives and to keep Mariota off the field. So he's not going to be able to put up those 50 points when when you're controlling the ball, you're controlling the clock, you're limiting his opportunities. And that's, you know... I know a great running game doesn't always beat a great passing game, but it certainly helps. If you are going up against a devastating passing game, the best thing you can do is to get the run established, and that's exactly what Ohio State did, just be able to to run the ball that effectively, and it really took Oregon out of their element where they just loved to throw the ball up and down the field. They just weren't able to do it. For sure. I cannot. I I love to give credit, and it's uh, escaping me who tweeted it. Somebody on my timeline last night tweeted, uh, this is Big Ten football 60 years in the making. But it is. It's, It's the combination now of the speed at the skill positions, of the spread offense, of the modern game, the SEC speed, whatever you want to say, combined last night with the smash mouth. It was like last week when I was talking to BSK and for so long he's been anti-Urban Meyer and he doesn't like that style of play and it's not Ohio State Buckeyes. Well, the last few weeks all of a sudden uh, BSK has been fired up and this is Buckeye football that I love because it's smash mouth, because it's physical, because this team, man, and I don't know who saw it coming. I think a lot of people saw it coming next year is what I mean, but they combined that combination of being both a tough gritty in the trenches physical team as well as one that can go out there and do the track meet thing and put 50 points on the board and go up and down the field if you want to play that game too that's right it's amazing how the narrative has changed just from just a few years ago people were saying ohio state didn't have the athleticism and didn't have the speed to deal with teams like alabama and other sec type of teams but you know just the fact that they were able to get you know get faster and of course always get stronger but then be able to combine that with the traditional Ohio State style of just through the years with Archie Griffin and Keith Byers and Eddie George and you know you're going to throw Ezekiel yeah. Elliott and there with really good running backs that keep things moving on offense and you know it wasn't just three yards in the cloud of dust it was a lot more than three yards but that's how Ohio State won the game and it was, it was nice to see them not only win the championship but really to win it their way. Absolutely. You're listening to the Sports Fix. J-Rock, Jeff Gorman talking here. Matter of fact, I, I'm trying to get the total here. I believe uh, this season, what, isn't it the second highest rushing total in Buckeyes history here was uh, was Elliott? I'm not positive on that one, but I thought I saw that one here in my in my research for that. But uh, he broke the record, the Buckeyes record, for rushing in a bowl game here for the national championship game as well. Really, not enough superlatives can be put out there for the physical, imposing rushing attack that the Buckeyes dropped on the Oregon Ducks. That's right. And, you know, another unsung hero of the game was the Buckeyes defense. To be able to hold Huge. Oregon to just 20 points. I mean, they average about 48 points. And they were able to, you know, it's not that Mariota didn't have a great game. I mean, he threw for 339 yards, 
But, you know, they were able to stop them when it counted. On that fourth and goal, they stopped them. And then a couple times, they stopped them in the red zone, and the Ducks had to kick a field goal. So that's 21 points that could have been put on the board. They ended up being just six. And that really, you know, turned the tide of the game. The, the fact that, that Oregon wasn't able to just ring those big numbers up there. And, you know, Ohio State, you know, was able to kind of to buckle down in the red zone at least those three times. And that really helped them again when, when the offense was turning the ball over a few times and the defense still was able to bail them out several times. Yeah, Ohio State defense came up. You know, talk a little bit. We brought up Mariota and haven't haven't gotten into a lot of that. What are your thoughts? I'll be the first one. I will say this. Watching yesterday, <laughs> by the end of the game, I looked over at Jerry and I said, hey, man, uh, I know you probably heard me say this about a year ago this time, but uh, – I don't know about the NFL prospects of this guy. We we basically had the conversation that we had about, um, you know, who uh, a year ago, um, you know, Manziel. But anyways, right. hey, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm again, I'm not trying to one game say, oh, man, because I liked Mariota. I, I liked a lot of what I saw him do throughout his career. But it's not just one game against one opponent and the result, but it's the style of football. And and I think that the style of defense that Oregon faced last night, not an NFL defense, obviously. No college level is the same as the NFL, but close. As far as the physicality, the difference between that and some of the other. I just, you saw a difference. Now, granted, hey, there was some dropped passes. Remember, there was the one wide open one. Wide open. The guy on third down (laughs) just dropped it off of his hands when when they found a seam in the defense there. And uh, there was another one a little bit later that also, obviously that stuff comebacks to bite you. But, uh, you know, I'm not saying that there's just no way that this kid's could, but a lot of the same question marks that I have about John Manziel last year, I have about Marcus Mariota coming out of this season, especially coming out of this here, that performance. Not that, like I said, he was terrible, but he was not the same. And it just showed me that, you know, I don't know. Uh, it definitely made me change as far as going, Hey man, uh, you know, this guy is way different than, you know, say this guy, that guy, Manziel, different guys like that, because I saw too many similarities and not enough differences, um, especially when you compared it to what you saw on the other side of the field. I'm not saying that the guy can't be an NFL quarterback, but I, I clearly saw something that would give me a lot of pause if I was an NFL scouting uh, person. Right, because you're expecting him to – you're, you know, I'm sure a lot of those scouts who were watching Mariota were expecting Oregon to win the game, expecting Mariota to have a big day, pretty much his typical day, you know, but of course they didn't see that. So it's kind of too bad for him that he wasn't able to sort of punctuate his college career with that same kind of big money, huge numbers performance that he put up throughout the year. And of course it makes you, you know, when you're up against a strong defense like Ohio State and the way they're able to not, again, not necessarily shut him down, but be able to slow him down. It makes you think about his spot in the draft. And, you know, you, like I was just talking about how, you know, quarterbacks always seem to kind of rise toward the top because not just because it's such an important position, but because people, you know, NFL teams need a good quarterback so often. And they're, they're chasing that brass ring of a franchise quarterback. And coming out of yesterday, you could see that, you know, Mariota, while not, you know, like you said, he wasn't really terrible, but he doesn't have that, that aura of like a consensus number one Andrew Luck type of uh, top of the draft kind of guy. 
My lord, no. I got more of that coming off of the the exuding off of Cardell Jones. Than, and that's the <laughs> thing is it's not just the stats or what they did. At no point did it feel to me like Mariota was grabbing his team up by the by the bootstraps, by the collar, and, and pulling them ahead. You know, like uh, – yeah. Again, and I'm not. I'm just saying that was an aspect that I did not know if he had or not, and obviously I got my answer there. It has nothing to do with the physical tools and, and the size, although there's there's question marks there too. But um, I just I saw things that made me go, okay, uh, definitely in that same camp. Not saying I wouldn't draft this guy, but I wouldn't draft this guy uh, up near the top part of the draft. That's absolutely for sure. And But I can see that coming. You know, obviously, we, we know firsthand how the hype goes with that. But I was just curious what what you thought about that as well because when he was taken out of his, his rhythm, when the play action wasn't there, when things fell apart for him, I just I didn't see a guy that the opposite. Cardale, say what you want. Maybe it's the physical stature because he, he is a man in a man body, but when Ohio <laughs> yeah. State needed a big, big throw. He just made it. He just, and he didn't even step into it. I think that's what I, I love a big arm. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why I didn't fall in love with Brandon Whedon like everybody else. But I guess I love a big <laughs> arm when he's throwing to wide receivers, not clay pigeons. But man, I mean, that kid just flicks the wrist and the ball flies. I mean, flies like a missile. Doesn't step into it. Doesn't have to put any body behind it, and it just goes man but it seemed like he was doing what I was expecting to see on the Oregon side of the field he was the quarterback that anytime his team needed a play he made it right I mean that's what makes it so scary as to how good he could possibly be you know again with so little experience and you know all the the, that physical acumen and like the great like you said the great touch and, and power on those passes you know being able to show that leadership and you can imagine after a couple years once he just gets just some more experience, how good he could possibly be. And he looks like he could be, maybe not next year, but maybe could definitely be one of those potential franchise quarterbacks. And it's going to be funny how we're always going to think back to him being the third stringer who made good, whereas he could end up being, you know, one of the real big quarterbacks physically and, you know, on the field in the NFL someday. I got to tell you, what's that uh, the old adage, the best days, the, the good old days are happening right now, and you just don't realize it until later because these are the days that you look back on. The good old days happened in the last month and a half for Cardale Jones, and I don't know. You will have to, you will really have to try. You'll be a lucky young man if you can exceed the last few uh, few <laughs> months of football that you've had because seriously, kid, uh, not many people go through the run that he did. I mean, three huge games where he was the center of the focus. Can he take it? Can he do it? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, Zeke walked up to him and said, hey, kid, relax. Get on my back and I'll carry you through. And they did. But again, I just I saw some of those qualities. I was curious where you were there with uh, Mariota and his performance yesterday, man. And uh, both of these teams, regardless, obviously, well, I can't say regardless because uh, the- Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Depending on who comes back, who doesn't come back, that changes things. But uh, obviously the Buckeyes. Could you see Oregon, another run, coming right back around? Obviously what happens at quarterback would go a long way into that as well. But uh, could you see both of these teams at least being back in the playoff conversation here same time next year? I'm not so sure about Oregon. I'm not saying that Mariota was really everything for them, but, you know, he was definitely the, the, yeah. clear, the clear class of that team. And I think it's going to take really another pretty special quarterback to get them where you want to go because, you know, that whole system of Oregon is is predicated on having an outstanding quarterback. And you just can't always find one. And sometimes even the one you have gets hurt. So it would be kind of a surprise if, if without Mariota they could put it back together and make it all the way to the top four to the championship next year. Ohio State, of course, have a lot more confidence in considering how young everybody is, how many people they have coming back. And, you know, they're, I'm not saying Ohio State's definitely going to win it all, or you know, but they're, they're definitely going to be in the conversation for the next four or five years. They're always going to be a serious playoff contender because they've just got, they are just completely loaded. Like you said, they weren't expected to be at this level until next year. They won it all last night. Yeah, embarrassment of riches, as you said, you know, and they continue to uh, improve upon that. It's going to be interesting. Talking, too, about coming back next year, assuming, of course, that I'm wrong about the uh, Cardell Jones thing, man. Uh, I would think that you're looking at perhaps two of the top three or four Heisman Trophy candidates next year as well in Jones and Elliott there. No doubt Elliott at the top of uh, every – they should have just gave him the trophy last night. They should have said, you know <laughs> what, it's already 2015. We're just going to go ahead and, and spot you this now. You can bring it back to us at the ceremony because he's coming for it. He's coming for it, my man. It would be pretty amazing to have a couple of Heisman Trophy candidates on the same team. It's very rare that you see something like that. And, of course, if that were the case, you got to give the, uh, the the nod to Elliott simply for the way the team you know performed last night and how it really is a good idea to have the run set up the pass. And, you know, if they can keep running the ball like that, you know, if they were able to run the ball like that, against, you know, Alabama and Oregon, I think they should do fine against the people on their schedule, you know, throughout the year. I think that, you know, as long as Elliott stays healthy, and again, who knows who they have, you know, backing up, probably some very good talent as well, you know, I think that they're, uh, he's going to be a pretty good kid. If he stays healthy, he should definitely be a high candidate because, again, he was really rolling up the yards last night and showing that he has the ability, you know, just as a running back to be able to cut and move and bounce off tackles, you know. If you have that innate, you know, ability to just not go down as a running back, as long as you stay healthy, you're going to go a very long way. Sports Fix listeners, J-Rock, Jeff Gorman, talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes as we're about to roll into hour two here. Big victory last night, becoming the national champions. First playoff victory here, first playoff format national championship. Jeff Gorman, my man, talk to me a bit coming out of this thing, man. Final thoughts for you on the Buckeyes, on this game last night, on the season as a whole. Well, I think this was just really a great thing. I mean, you could just—it was just a really good day yesterday. I mean, and literally everywhere. I didn't go out very much last yesterday, but 
when I did, just about everybody I saw, including myself, was wearing an Ohio State shirt. It's just, it's just, you know, it just brings the whole state together. And, you know, to have something so positive like that. And, you know, again, not just for one year. You know, it's been a tradition, you know, with six championships. And, you know, we have a, you know, just the way that football is important to this city, not just from, I'm, I'm sorry, to this state, not just from the, the standpoint of having the Football Hall of Fame, but just, you know, what a big thing high school football is. You know, it's just, you know, great for the overall culture of the state to have such a good day yesterday. And even, even leading up to it, everybody was just very positive and there's just a lot of positive vibes. And then it all played out on the field just the way that we hoped. And it was, it was just a great thing. And I was just, just happy to, to have everything work out so well yesterday for the entire state of Ohio. Sorry about that. I lost the connection there for a second. I thought I had dropped you there. I'm with you, Jeff. Oh, yeah. I'm with you on on all of that, my friend. You can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you now. Mm-hmm. There we go. I don't know what happened there. But Jeff Gorman, my man, great conversation, and, and I'm with you on all of that. It was a lot of fun. Today is a good day to be from Ohio, baby, and uh, to represent the OH all over the place. You know who else represented last night? LeBron James, which means he better be yeah. playing basketball tonight. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And by the way, I think my favorite tweet that I saw last night, and again, I cannot remember who to give it credit to, uh, was uh, it was funny. It was from the press box where LeBron and his uh, his his guys were hanging out watching the game, and it was just a zero in on Damon Jones. Damon Jones, the luckiest man in America. He's got the best job in the world. All Damon <laughs> Jones has to do is drive around with LeBron James, rebound for him when he shoots, and just say whatever you want. LeBron, man, it's great, man. He gets to hang out, travel the world, see the sporting events. Damon Jones is living the dream, baby. But uh, every photo, he's it's just every photo, he's right there next to LeBron. Damon Jones living the dream, man. We're living the dream. Jeff Gorman, good conversation. Hey, my friend, thank you for uh, joining us here, having fun. Friday, hey, you and I have got to get into the NFL mode on Friday. Not only who knows what's going on around the league, but we've got some championship games to get ready for. Hey, real quick, uh, I'm going to talk to Dr. Football here in a minute, so kind of warm that up a little bit. NFL, what were your thoughts this past weekend on the uh, games coming out? Obviously, you and I talked Friday about how you thought it was going to play out. What were your thoughts on how things actually played out? Well, I expected all four home teams to win. That's who I picked. And I had Denver going all the way and winning the Super Bowl. So it was just, it seemed like that's the way it was going to go all weekend long. You know, sometimes the, you know, the, the, the uh, teams that were the home teams, you know, the Patriots and the Packers, you know, they would have some stumbles. They fall, they fall behind, but then they would get it done at the end. But Denver, no, it just didn't happen. And of course, everything's falling apart for them with their coach and, you know, with Peyton Manning being hurt. And it was, it was, I really expected Denver to hold it together better than everybody else, but they completely fell apart. And it's the Colts. It's going to be interesting to see how they fare in uh, Foxborough this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff. But uh, again, I'm, I'm really not too surprised at how the other three teams did, but very surprised at how it all fell apart for the Broncos. Yeah, you and I can talk about it more on Friday, but we both were were in that boat. Not just the Broncos as a team, but the the improvements that they made intentionally on the defensive side, the money that they spent, the investments that they made, and then to see see it collapse like that. And as you said, now John Fox is out. Who knows where they go with not just Peyton Manning. That team's got, I think I saw 17 or 18 uh, unrestricted free agents, including Peyton Manning. Uh, Julius Thomas, Demarius Thomas. I mean, a lot of their 
key guys are all free agents at the same time. And, hey, Demarius Thomas would look good in a Browns uniform next year. That's all I'm saying, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, anyways, they've got a lot of issues over there. It's it, They're at that point where you do you implode it or or do you try to patch it together and get one more season out of Peyton, one more season out of everything? My gut tells me they may try to patch everything together and get one more season, but you've already blown it up with the coaching staff. That's sometimes as good a point as any to start to clear the slates and, and decide which way you're going to go. But uh, it's easy for me to tell the Broncos fan base, yeah, we're going to wipe the slates clean. So who knows? We'll talk about all of that, though, coming up, my man. Jeff, good stuff. Friday, we'll preview the AFC and NFC championship games. Sounds good, Darren. Thanks a lot for having me. Have a good one. You too, my man. Jeff Gorman writes for Indians and Browns 101.com. He's here on the Sports Fix on Tuesdays and Fridays. He'll be back with us on Friday previewing the championship games this weekend. Let's take a break, get you some news as the party continues here on the Sports Fix. We've gotten some calls here during the last couple of segments. I'm going to play some. Matter of fact, Let's see. I've got a couple of messages here. Uh, we'll play those when we come back. We'll get Dr. Football on the phone, talk some more with his thoughts on the Buckeyes victory here and the draft stock of some guys coming out, perhaps. He's been a, a uh, draft Nick for 30 years. We'll talk a little bit about some of the guys coming out of there. NFL coaching, all that stuff. John Fox, Rex Ryan headed to Buffalo. Greg Roman going with him. We'll talk about all of that and more. Dr. Football joins us talking Buckeyes, NFL, so much more after the news. Don't go away. Standing on the wall. Get your back up off the wall. Tell me, baby. How you gonna do it if you really won't take a chance? By standing on the wall. Get your back up off the wall. Listen, baby. You know it. The Sports Fix, your choice for intelligent talk. I'm expecting a very important delivery at the house, so could you please call me if it arrives? I'll give you my cell number. 401-555-1125. Four. 40440. Four no, no, I was just repeating the four. One four. One four. Intelligent talk. Okay, one one two five. One one two five. One five five. I'm not giving you quantities of the numbers. I'm giving you the numbers. One one two five. Those are the last four numbers. Oh, I see. One one two five. Yes. All right. Now read the number back to me. Let me get my pen. The sports fix will be right back. Hi, this is Joe Tate, and you're listening to The Sports Fix. Business owners and professionals, do you want to take your business, your product, your team, your event to the next level? You want to advertise right here with The Sports Fix. Our listeners are among the most loyal listeners, terrestrial or internet. The Sports Fix universe is not only the radio show, but tens of thousands of fans on Facebook and Twitter. Email me, Jerry Myers, thesportsfix at AOL.com. That's thesportsfix at AOL.com. And let me help you swing for the fences and hit it out of the park right here on The Sports Fix. Whether it's an oil change or a new set of tires, Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck has you covered for your automotive car care needs. They're your neighborhood quick service experts. They also offer a low price tire guarantee. Choose from 13 brands, and if you find the same tires at a lower price within 30 days, Quick Lane at Valley Ford will refund the difference. They're open late Monday through Thursday until 9 p.m. and open early Saturday so you can check it off your to do list and get on with your day. 
They also have a newly remodeled service lounge and additional service bay just for quick lane oil changes. Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck is located at 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. Come see why life is better in the Quick Lane. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. That's quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. I'm Christine Lisi. Here's what's happening. The celebration continues for Ohio State in the aftermath of its sixth national championship. Buckeyes in the underdog role for a third straight game knocked off Oregon 42-20. Ezekiel Elliott ran for 246 yards and four touchdowns. Urban Meyer joined Nick Saban as the only head coaches to win national titles at multiple schools. Oregon quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Marcus Mariota said he hasn't yet made a decision if he'll enter the NFL draft. Ohio State QB Cardell Jones said he'll consider entering the draft. The deadline for underclassmen to declare is Thursday. NBA Cleveland's LeBron James, a game-time decision tonight against Phoenix. He's been out since December 30th with strains in his left knee and lower back. The Cavs just 1-8 without LeBron in the lineup this season. As he tries to return to the Knicks lineup for Thursday's game in London, Carmelo Anthony admitted he's probably going to need surgery on his injured left knee at some point. New York's currently stuck in a 15-game losing streak. NFL former Broncos coach John Fox will interview soon for the Bears' vacancy, but he is not a lock for the job, reports ESPN's Chris Mortensen. Buying razors at the store shouldn't feel like getting punched in the gut. If you're sick of getting beat up by high razor prices, do something about it. Get amazing razors and grooming supplies delivered from DollarShaveClub.com for just a few bucks. That's DollarShaveClub.com. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix Live as we roll into Hour 2 across the Sports Fix Radio Network. My man, Dr. Football, getting ready to join us here, as he always does. We're going to have a little split uh, football. I thought this was a good way to kind of segue right in between one to the other. We'll talk a little national championship with Dr. Football. He's been a draft nick for 30 years. I want to talk to him about his thoughts on what uh, what the draft stock may have done for one Cardale Jones. As you heard, he's got until Thursday to early declare about Mariota. We'll talk about some of the other, perhaps, players and their stock coming out of this, get his thoughts, and we'll sit shift over and segue into the NFL and the coaching carousel that's going around and all of that. Dr. Football, Bill Check is going to join us here. You can join us on Facebook and Twitter and email, facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix, CLE. Email us, the sports fix at AOL.com, Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix, CLE. Email us, the sports fix at AOL.com. Before I go to the phones and get the doc on the hotline, I'm going to go to the hotline real quick during the break. One of you left me a message. Let's go to the phones right now. Caller, you're next up on the Sports Fix. J-Rock, this is the Swami from Northfield who predicted 42 points yesterday, by the way, my friend. Another one. Um, I now hear that Mr. Jones, after three games, 
uh, thinks he's ready for the NFL might might be ready for the NFL. Uh, he uh, has all the physical attributes, but I think another year in college would do him good. Um, I think uh, he's got to be the number one as far as either him, Barrett, or Braxton Miller. I think Miller is uh, maybe a year away from being 100% uh, the magnitude of his injury. Uh, I think he'd be better suited to basically stay the course, ride it out with Ohio State, and see maybe what the draft. I don't see him as an NFL product anyway. I think he's better suited, as was maybe Troy Smith, for the Canada League or the Arena League. Uh, uh, funny, though, I saw LeBron James on the sideline yesterday uh -oh. in Dallas. Um, I didn't know that was part of his therapy to drive, or from, <laughs> not drive, but um, hop on a plane from the West Coast and stand on the sideline for three, four hours in Dallas and then get on a plane and go back to the West Coast. Uh, that's rather unusual therapy. I didn't know that was part of the, part of the rehab, uh, Maybe uh, it's something new, but um, uh, you would think one, I guess, on his day off, he could do anything he wants. Uh, his previous therapy was to go down to Miami. Uh, whatever. Talk to you later, J-Rock. Have a good one. <laughs> he does have a good point. Uh, I do think LeBron's status for tonight's game should have increased from doubtful to definite after he was hooting and hollering on the sidelines last night. But And I th I'm sure he will. Uh, you notice the timing of all this? I'm just saying. LeBron took a break, took some rest. Cavs made some trades during the week that he was gone. Then LeBron happened to say, hey, I may be back by Phoenix, which just happens to be the day after the national title game. I'm just saying things may have worked out well. Hey, look, man, things may have worked out well for LeBron. Good for him. Good for the Cavs, hopefully. We'll talk about that game in a minute here tonight. But uh, the mayor giving us a call on the hotline. You can do it as well. 216-539-7535. Leave your take. I'll play it throughout the show. Right now, I'm going to the phones. The Doc's on the line. Dr. Football. Bill, check his Doc. How you doing this afternoon? J-Rock, good morning. Uh, how you doing there? Uh, I, I got my time slot fixed up. I apologize, but uh, somebody left somebody speechless sitting there. Oh, hey, no problem, man. Yeah, I hit you up during uh, last segment. I'm like, where you at, Doc Football? Am I coming back with you or not? Man? And uh, glad to have you back here, though, and, and with us. And, um, you know, normally we do the NFL thing. I thought this would be a good way to kind of mix this up a little bit. As you heard from my caller there, uh, I've been talking a little bit about how I, I can just already see if, if he was to speculating ahead and Cardell Jones said, hey, I'm going to try this NFL thing. I could easily see him in the next couple of months being that guy that gets talked right on up the draft charts. I want to talk to you about some guys' draft stock coming out of this game. Of course, that always happens with the national championship game because it's the one everybody's watching. But before that, how about the game? What were your thoughts watching that game last night, Buckeyes, with the not just a victory but a real dominant performance? Well, you know, there's some people that are going to say, you know, Ohio State is the team, and it's true. They came to play, but Oregon didn't show up, so I think that's why there was such a large disparity. That being said, obviously, uh, running back with a tremendous game, um, 
Meyer with a well-coached game. Uh, very few mistakes that cost them any any problems. I mean, they, they were they were a little miscues here and there, but uh, you can't get much better of a of a national college championship game than that. Of course, we had nothing to go on. This being the first real one, the first playoff game that we've been waiting for for so many years. Absolutely, you know, and that, that's why I, I was jokingly earlier calling it the first official one. I know there's been a whole bunch before, but uh, we'll just start keeping track from here. And uh, a big victory, but as I said, kind of ties right into your specialty. You've you know, been a draft Nick, self-described, as you'd say, for 30-plus years, working on a book on that very topic. So I thought, you know, everybody always looks at these games, whether it's the bowl games, whether it's the big national title game, and starts looking at whose draft stock went up, went down. Obviously, guys have to declare, but two, the two focal points, the quarterbacks on each side, uh, were either one of them to decide here. To, first off, what are your thoughts on that, Jones, being three games in? My thoughts with him is just simply his sample size being small, plays to his benefit if he's to come out in the draft because I was explaining earlier I mean you can't have much of a better three-game run than three huge leverage games that all had meaning and he came up victorious and each one of them never looked too the moment was never too big for him he never looked overwhelmed he's got all the physical gifts I mean yes of course there's a million reasons for him to come back as well but there's millions of green reasons for him to skip the game and go straight to a passing go and start developing on that level. I could see that temptation being big for Cardell Jones. And on the other side, a lot of people anticipating ahead. Where does uh, Marcus Mariota go? What are your thoughts on those two coming out and their draft stock? Because I would think that Mariota's tumbled a little bit, not tumbled completely, but his draft stock shook up a bit by a shaky performance yesterday. Meanwhile, Jones soars up. Start with the quarterbacks. Uh, who raised and lowered their stock? Where are you at with those guys? You know, um, I'm going to go the other way first and talk about Mariota. Regardless of how that game was, uh, and where where there were some deficiencies, he's NFL ready. Uh, I believe uh, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he'll be in this draft. The question is, will he be that top five first round pick, or will the quarterbacks be devalued a little bit this year, and will he be somewhere from six to ten? Uh, that's really a, a big question right now. And when you look at the teams that need quarterbacks, who's going to go first, Jones and Mariota? Uh, whether or not I think Jones comes out, uh, I think he'd be doing himself a disservice if he came out, uh, because like you said, the sample size is so small, uh, he may slide a little bit, and I would hate to see that happen. So I guess it wouldn't be a bad idea if he came back, but being the way things are, he's probably ready to come come out and take a crack at it. Well, because normally I would one million percent say this is not even a, a thinking decision here to come back, but the unique circumstances that surround the Ohio State quarterback position, I think that puts a, a, a different slant of pressure on the thought process. I mean, if I'm Cardell Jones and I'm 
or I'm his dad or family. I'm we're having this whatever his whoever it is that he consults because I don't know who specifically his person is, but whoever's in his circle. That's these are things that I'm thinking, not just from a, a one perspective, but all the different angles that uh, you know. But then again, you only get and this is where I go. But it's easy for me to say, don't make the money. You only get to go to college once. You know, you only get to go through that and experience it once. But you in a short short order you've already experienced a lot, a lot of the things that you go for if you're playing football as far as winning a championship and having a great season and all of that so i don't know but normally i'd be 100% about no you don't even think about going out but i think the OSU circumstances obviously are unique yeah i agree and um you know you can't say you had a bad game uh, for right, like you said, for the sample size, he's done very well, especially you know with an increase in production and display uh, of ability each week. So that's where you have a balance right now uh, with tipping of the scales, whether or not he will or will not. And obviously, the league and the NCAA don't make it easy for you when you have all of seventy-two hours to make a decision. Right, and that's the other thing too is the time, the time crunch against it there, man. And uh, how about uh, in general too? Obviously, this has nothing to do with a draft decision or anything. But you mentioned the running back earlier. Can't uh, say enough about Ezekiel Elliott and what he showed. And following in, a lot of people had questions about, hey, Carlos Hyde, obviously an NFL level back. We've seen him at the next level here. Um, the Buckeyes will they have a drop off at the position? And Hell no, they didn't have a drop-off. They had Ezekiel Elliott running through the hole, not dropping off of it. Right. And, uh, you know, I I don't like to drop names. That's not who I am. But uh, uh, talking with a buddy of mine who doesn't mind me mentioning his name, we were messaging back and forth yesterday, Pat Kerwin. Uh, a lot of people don't know before he became a journalist, he worked in the league. He was uh, worked for the New York Jets organization, and at one time he worked for Hofstra University as well in the football department. And uh, I asked Pat uh, yesterday, I said, what do you think, stick them out? And he says, it's better than 50-50 because this is the time right now where there's a surge in skilled players' value. That may go down in the next year or two. You may see a drop in the value of a, you know, of a high caliber player, you know, a skilled position player like a running back, a receiver, a quarterback, uh, and that goes with Evan Flow. And again, that's the league that directs that. Uh, the league has a lot more spin on that than fans realize. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going with that, absolutely. And, you know, running backs in general have been devalued in the draft with the exception of the rare, stupid team who, you know, takes trades up to take a guy in the top five or something like that, and then said player three years, two years later can't even get on the field for a playoff game after another team trades a first-round pick for him. So, yeah, mistakes do happen in taking them, but that's that's not even a worry. I mean, obviously, he's coming back for another season, but, uh, you know, this is always... That time of year where the focus starts to shift as the NFL is winding their season down as the college game now wraps up a little later than usual. But with a fantastic championship game, now you start to focus. And you and I, after we get past the Super Bowl, we'll start really uh, sitting down and getting into some of this draft talk. But a little bit of time left. Obviously, the NFL still rolling uh, both the teams that are in and the teams that are out. As we know, the Browns 
in the middle of a search for an offensive coordinator, but they've got tons of competition for coaches and coordinators after Black Monday. Several guys let go. Rex Ryan already, and I'll tell you what, uh, before we get into the playoff games, I want to talk to you about that, but let's talk to coaching carousel. I was a bit, I don't know, I don't want to say surprised. I, th- I think that the competition of playing against the Jets is part of that decision, and obviously the defensive core that they've got in Buffalo appeals to a defensive-minded guy like Rex Ryan, but you know, I really thought perhaps Atlanta, perhaps some other, I thought there were some better opportunities, but but I think that staying in the division with the Jets may have been a, a big pull to Rex Ryan going with Buffalo. What do you think? Are you surprised with the with the the ending up of Rexy there and uh, perhaps Greg Roman with him? Well, you know, I'll tell you this about sexy Rexy. In all the years I covered uh, <laughs> the New York teams, uh, you know, he, we were never we were never lacking for a pull quote. Uh, for whatever story we're working on coming out of Forum Park. So I'm going to give you this. Uh, regardless of how much he runs his mouth, he's no dummy. And that had to weigh in, you know, the fact that he'd be staying in the AFC East. Uh, certainly, it had nothing to do, it had less to do with the dollar signs and more to do with the highway road signs on uh, the New York State Thruway, if you know what I mean. Well, that's what I was figuring. I'm like, come on, man, because I'd make if I'm making that decision. I'm not saying that would be my lone motivating factor. Obviously, you got family you talk to, and money, and and team, and all of that. But if if the opportunities are equal, yeah, the chance to stick it to somebody who, especially if I may not be happy with the way things went down, and uh, and all of that. Plus, hey, that to me, you've got you kind of got. Although you know, they're always. They're like the Browns, always changing regimes. But you do kind of have a little bit, at least for a year or two, you would think you kind of have a little bit of a, a head up on your competition in the division because you're so intrinsically knowledgeable to the inner workings of the team you just left that, you know, that plays into it a little bit, I'm sure, as well, too. But uh, surprising. Like I said, Atlanta was one that I saw and said, man, because I think Atlanta's a, a very healthy opening there. I mean, yeah, they got a lot of holes, too, but they've got some – some good pieces, especially offensively. I know some people are higher on, you know, Matt Ryan than others are, but they've got some skill players. They've got some pieces there, man. I think that's a more attractive job than people are uh, are looking at. I'll tell you what is a job that I don't know which way it's going to go. I was mentioning this earlier is Denver. Uh, you know, they lose this weekend, and we see now they've got – tons of decisions to make and they've cleared out the coaching staff fox is gone they're going to not bring back not only john fox but any of the assistant coaches as well and i i said earlier 18 unrestricted free agents starting with peyton manning working your way on down through the thomases and a bunch of the skill players and you got a lot of decisions for that team to make what does your gut tell you? Which way do you think John Elway is going to attack this? Is he going to try to bring back Manning for another year, try to patch it together for one more season and try to get another run? Or or is he going to look at this as a chance to wipe the decks clear with a new coach and start with a young quarterback or a different quarterback and let a lot of these, uh, these big ticket guys go? Well, where do you see Denver going after the couple of seasons that they've ran up here? Do you see him rebuilding or do you see him reloading? Well I, well, I think contrary to popular belief, Peyton Manning will be back not for one year, but for two okay. more years. And uh, I think John Elway uh, and uh, Mrs. Dr. Purple nodding her as an agreement with me uh, on the other side of the room here. Uh, you know, 
I can't see Elway completely clearing out the team. The coaching staff, I understand. And uh, I'll double back for a minute to Woody Johnson and the Jets. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't surprised that Ryan left. I was surprised that pulled the plug on John Itzik so fast. Not that he didn't deserve it. He did. Uh, and I never understood why they made that hire in the first place. You know, uh, again, and he's going to get mad at me for saying this, so I'm going to apologize in advance, but Ted Sunquist is also a good friend of mine, and uh, I can't see him still not having a job in the league after all this time, uh, after what he did for the Denver organization before Elway came on. Obviously, Elway won't bring back the guy that he let go that was there before him. But sooner or later, he's got to get a job in this league. It's just ridiculous that he's not a general manager or a director of player personnel somewhere. So you're leaning towards them patching things up, trying to get Peyton back for another year here, another year or two. I would think, I don't know, man, you, I would want two years, and, and it's hard because Peyton's obviously in a position where he's going to decide year by year where his career is going to go. That puts me, it's almost like the, not the same because you have the pull of being uh, the legend, but the, Brett Favre in Green Bay at the end where you reach the point where we're not saying that the guy doesn't have a good year or two left in him, and but he wouldn't make the commitment, and they've got to figure. It's hard to keep going one year at a time in the NFL because you have to you have to put your team together a certain way. You spend money a certain way. You go more veteran because you're trying to win now, and that becomes a very that becomes a place where if you don't win now you end up not just rebuilding, but you end up going through that ugly couple of years where you really do have to clear things out, you know? And that's the thing, Vashon, great point in the chat room. They don't have another guy yet. Like, I know they thought maybe Osweiler would be that guy when they drafted him. They're, they're trying, they haven't developed that next guy either. So they're really in a position where if they didn't come back with Peyton, you, you have to go out and hit the free agent market and go find somebody here. So I don't even know that this year they could not do it. But I, if I'm John Elway, I would love to sit down with Peyton and go, can you can you give me two years as long as I can keep you healthy? Now, obviously, if you get hurt, you know, but can you commit to two years and give me two years to find another quarterback and try to get us to the Super Bowl one more time? Because if I'm going year by year, again, with 17, 18 other free agent decisions to make, this becomes a very uh, – Hit or miss off season for Denver, and a very important one. Yeah, well, you know, Vishon's right, and uh, you know that's why uh, they're going to sit. He is going to sit down with him and ask him, "Can you give me two years? Uh, if not, I completely understand. Uh, we'll take the one year, and we'll look for somebody to step in after next year." Uh, but I say he's got two more years in him. I don't think he got banged up too bad this year. I think a good off season with no, uh, you know, mild workout injuries that catch him uh, not looking uh, will strengthen his core a little more. He's he's got to do those core strengthening exercises with the PT on the lower back and on the neck. And um, you know, I think he can give you two more years. I don't think it's out of the. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question. I think it's a very good possibility. 
I have the other question too is is the injury uh, the injury frequency we saw here you know the last month of the season not the same arm strength he's, he's got the quad tear clearly lower body is is your anchor for a quarterback so that hurt him late in the season that uh, those are all things that Peyton Manning's going to have to consider here but I'm with you and I think that that two year one year conversation that's the first place I'm starting you have to start there before you can even go after a coach because I would think that the type of coach you go after if you're L.A. also is going to depend on what we're doing with these players. Because if we're if we're making different decisions, then we may hire different types of coaches. And Fox now being uh, rumored to perhaps be one of the guys on the list there for Chicago's opening. And I, I got a question for you. Getting away from Denver and circling back to the AFC North, even though it's not a head coaching deal, how surprised were you? I was, most definitely was surprised to see Dick LeBeau part ways with the Pittsburgh Steelers, not to retire, but obviously as a team decision. And uh, where do you see as a possible landing spot? I would think Arizona would be a place just because of some familiarity with the guy there and a defense that's got some pieces that he can have some fun with. But Dick LeBeau is not retiring. He is just gone from Pittsburgh. Were you surprised that that, uh, that those two parted ways? And where do you think uh, Dick LeBeau may end up? Well, ultimately, originally I was surprised. But, uh, you know, uh, working, the, working the lines a little bit, working the phone lines, I realized that he figures he doesn't have too many more uh, seasons left to, to go as a coach and uh, in this league, and he would like to have a crack to win one more ring, and the Steelers just don't give him that opportunity. Sorry, Steelers fans. It's the way it is. Okay, and, um, you know, not that they had a horrible season, but they do need to uh, start to do some rebuilding, and who knows, maybe Roethlisberger is gone, although that's not LeBeau's problem, being a defensive coach. Maybe the Steelers have to uh, do some deck clearing of their own, and, um, you know, I think he would be a very good fit working on the Bruce Arians, and, you know, if Gossip did something happen, he'd be capable of stepping in and being a head coach on an interim basis. So, uh, you know, I would love to see him here in Arizona. I'll tell you what, Dan Wismar in the chat room. Great point. Bruce, or excuse me, uh, Dick LeBeau, 77 years old. I've always been amazed because, you know, as I grew up, he was a name that was everybody knew when, like in my childhood. Like it's rare that you have a guy that's around that long and still like not, uh, and as not, I don't want to say assistant, but, uh, you know, like, uh, like Jim Brown, a consultant, a, uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times when you've got a guy like that at that age, they're a consultant, they're a special, uh, special consultant. They, they're the, you know, they have a special title and they show up for autograph signings and for, for the ring of honor day when they give out the Jersey, whatever they, they've got their public relations appearances, but, uh, yeah, man, nearly 80 years old. And he's like, <laughs> I'm going for another job, but you do got to think, I mean, you, you got to think that that plays a part into Pittsburgh's thinking too, like we, well, you know, we have to, we have maybe, to maybe, get maybe moving not. at some point. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. And with the point that Dan's not making, and uh, what's up, Dan? Making the point that Dan's not making is that the guy is very spry for seventy-seven. Oh he yeah, acts like oh yeah. Fifteen years younger. The man plays guitar. The man plays chess on his computer. His mind is sharp. For a guy his age, he reminds me not that I want to come out of left field with this, but he's like the John Glenn of the NFL. The guy goes back <laughs> to space at seventy-eight years, seventy-six years old, and says, to "Everybody, ha ha! I can still put a spacesuit on." You know, I mean, you know, he's one of 
original right stuff guys. Dick LeBeau is an original right stuff guy in the NFL. He is a guy whose bust in Canton is already being polished. It's just a matter of time. Absolutely. He wants to put an exclamation point on the career resume. I don't blame him. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of his, and uh, I believe that this is just this has nothing to do with anything because this is a whatever. But I sure would love to, to see them find a place for him on the Browns staff. That again, not going to happen. Jim O'Neill's the defensive coordinator. Dick LeBeau's not going to go be somebody's assistant, I don't think, or whatnot. But and I think he has too much respect for the Steelers organization and all the time that he spent there that I couldn't see him necessarily going to any of the other teams in the division. But the word is, is that he's not big on going too far from the area because he, he still lives down Southern Ohio. And so you never know who knows, but uh, I'm just saying I wouldn't turn away that mind in my defensive film room any day. If I have to, uh, if I have to ruffle some feathers, I, I Jim O'Neill is my boy. I'll just call him in and go, hey, man, you want to work with Dick LeBeau? But I don't see it. This isn't a real conversation. This is just me in a fantasy world. But I have always had mad respect for him. He always kills the Browns. Well, whatever. He kills all the rookie quarterbacks. He's always a great defensive schemer. I'm with you, man. Dick LeBeau's an asset wherever he goes. Uh, is Arizona a realistic uh, option there? Or a lot of people say he doesn't want to go west, doesn't want to travel that far at his age with his family and all. All of that. What do you think? Where do you where do you see him ending up coaching some football? Well, I still think it's a possibility, but uh, like you said, he really doesn't want to go uh, too far out of the region. So that may be uh, the final deciding factor, the reason why he doesn't leave uh, the, the region. Uh, by the same token, uh, you talked about you know how much respect he has for the organization, and uh, another good friend of mine has been has been involved with that organization in the past. I haven't had a chance to speak to him about it uh, lately. We've been uh, Facebook messaging uh, a lot these days, and haven't had any uh, uh, steady phone conversations. But uh, I'll have to ask Coach John about that. Uh, how he feels about you know him knowing Coach LeBeau pretty well. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's a good possibility. Uh, there's a good possibility that any of these five coaches can want, or coaches that parted ways with their teams can wind up as coordinators somewhere else. Uh, it's just a given, you know, with the off-season, uh, shall we say, uh, dance moves here, you know, chess moves, what's going Absolutely. on uh, with the personnel stuff. And there's plenty more of those to come as these teams are yep. shuffling. The Browns are one of them. You know, talking about as the Browns look for another offensive coordinator, perfect segue with Dick LeBeau is we use the Steelers as one of those good organizations that we talk about as far as stability. And the follow-up to Dick LeBeau is what Pittsburgh did as they promoted their assistant defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, up to – LeBeau's position, but Butler's been with the Steelers since 2003, so he's got over a decade in the scheme with the coach, with the guy teaching him day by day, learning under you know Dick LeBeau and learning how we do things, how the Steelers' defense runs, all of that. So I mean, again, I don't, I don't anticipate. I know you can't replace a great mind like that. Just. Like that, but I don't anticipate much of a drop off schematically from uh, 
the new defensive coordinator because it's a guy who's got 12 years in the system. You groomed him. You basically, and that's what teams like the Steelers, teams that are the good, stable organizations do, is you you don't just have a, a good, steady core of your coaches, your, your head coach, your general manager, but you create your next coaches. It's like a good business. They spend 10 years grooming the next project manager, the next sales manager, whatever. The Steelers groom their coordinates under coordinators underneath, and then they've got them ready to drop right in. You don't have to go look for, and, and I hate saying this about the Steelers, but it's just they're a solid organization to point to. Uh, but again, they don't have to search outside the organization and wonder, uh, well, what does this guy bring in? Is this guy going to be a good fit? That is the true uh, stable, consistent franchise that any team, including the Browns, should aim to be like. They should aim to hopefully 10 years from now be in a position where the next time the offensive coordinator takes a hike, they've got so-and-so who's been with the team for five, six, seven, eight years. Note, well, then again, we would have to run the same offense for five, six, seven, eight years. But my point being, you groom your own and you put them in the spot. And that's how you keep those stable uh, coaching staffs. And that's why you get, like, when a new coach does come into Pittsburgh, they usually don't make a whole lot of changes to the assistants because they're like, hey, these guys know the ship better than I do. I'm going to let them show me how to play the game as I become a head coach. But I thought that was a very stable move, much like I would expect the uh, Steelers to make when they replace Dick LeBeau. You know, and not only that, uh, Jerry, it, you know, bringing it back around to the Browns, if Tetton and Farmer were smart here about this, they would now look to get some Steelers off the waiver wire to help them better understand, uh, from a player's point of view, the Steelers' defensive package, all right, so that they could uh, compete. Not that they were terrible last year. Uh, the defense made some tremendous strides last year. But uh, this would give them an opportunity to uh, have a better understanding of uh, what the Steelers' defense is. And offensively, that's the other question I had for you, talking about the Browns. Uh, that's where their opening is. Are you hearing anything as far as we've heard? I've heard upwards of a dozen names um, that the Browns may be interested in for this opening of the offensive coordinator and, and quarterback coach. A lot of people keep circling back around. And I, I'll tell you, Matt Cavanaugh, when that, that name keeps coming out from the beginning when I heard it, I said, man, that's a Mike Pettin. Number one, they work together. They have a, a relationship already previously established, but that is, uh, that's Mike Pettin-style football. I don't know if it's Ray Farmer and what they're going to want to do with the draft, but I think it is Ray Farmer-style football as well. But Cavanaugh uh, was the uh, OC back with that Ravens offense. And two, the one that every team that doesn't have – a uh, quality quarterback points to as proof that you can still win the Super Bowl with just an okay quarterback. They all point to those 2000 Ravens and Dilfer and all of that, but, uh, but it's true. And he was the offensive coordinator. He runs that uh, prehistoric style offense that I love and that Mike Pettin loves. So I could see him circling as a dark horse, especially because people get crazy and they throw, I know Roman's going to end up with Rex Ryan, but people were throwing Greg Roman's name out there. I, I I can't lie. As much as I like Mike Pettin as a head coach, I don't know that other assistant head coaches are the good ones that have options are going to line up to go work with this guy because there's no guarantee that he's going to have a job next year or they're going to have a job next year. So I think 
I think the Browns, I said this from the beginning, are best suited to go the young route with an offensive coordinator. Go try to find somebody with that fresh, young, offensive mind and uh, maybe get them a guru to come in with them and kind of guide them a little bit. But uh, instead of trying to find one of these retreads from somebody else's organization, because I don't believe you're going to get the cream of the crop of the established guys to even sniff Cleveland, except maybe to get leverage to go, you know, get more money out of another team or whatever. So, yeah, at that point, you're either getting a eh, so-and-so retread or you can try to find one of those fresh young minds. Problem is, is I don't, I don't think the Browns are going to go that way. But that's what I'd like to see them do: is go find a young guy and and try to groom him up in the position and grow him into one of those good offensive coordinators. Yeah, no question. And uh, the list is getting longer and longer. I've heard nothing less than sixteen names. And oh, yeah. uh, you know, it would be unfair of me to to. Uh, throw out a whole list right now because uh, that wouldn't be fair to the uh, coaching search uh, and that's something that uh, occasionally I got asked not to do so uh, this is one of those cases but 16 names is a lot of candidates Jerry yeah absolutely uh, the names just keep coming out Chan Gailey's one that I saw uh, Alex Marvez tossing out the other day I mean we've heard them all uh, Mark Tressman I mean, and you know what I'll tell you what, Mark Trussman, I have no interest in him as obviously as any kind of a, a serious, uh, like a head coach. Obviously, we're not looking for that, but he showed that that overwhelmed him there. I'll go back to last year's coaching search. I liked him as the idea of an offensive coordinator or quarterback coach type of position. You know, that's a guy that I would seriously give some consideration to because I think that he's brushed with a bad light from what happened in Chicago. But if all Trustman has to do is run your offense, I think that he can do a really good job, and that could be one of those guys. I don't know. But I like the idea of Trustman. Perhaps give him a young quarterback coach that could be your next offensive coordinator in waiting and let him learn from Trustman. But I like I like Trustman as far as working with quarterbacks, which is going to be key for whoever our next offensive coordinator is. Um, but – I don't know. I don't know how much of a change his his system would bring to the personnel that we already have, uh, whether he would want to continue with the zone blocking that the offensive line is doing, because that will only get better in year two if they keep it going. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? though? I think Trustman, if all he had to do was coordinate your offense, I think that he could do a, a good job. I, you know, uh, and knowing knowing the coach like I do a little bit again through my friend Coach John, um, you know I think it's a good possibility that he would be a good fit. The question is, does he want to step back down and be a coordinator again? Uh, he has to, I, I don't think. know how he feels about it. Uh, I don't know uh, if he feels it would only work out with certain teams. Uh, I personally think the Browns would be one of them. I'd like to see him though play the field a little bit. Uh, because he's really, really experienced at that offense, and hey, he's got a couple of Super Bowl rings running it. No, I, I get you. There's talk of him maybe going down to Tampa with Lovey. A lot of talk, but that's yep. one that I would have out there as well. You know, and uh, if you went with the more experienced offensive coordinator with the young quarterback coach, and again, try to follow that philosophy of grooming your own guy. It doesn't matter who you groom if you throw out the uh, the bathwater every couple of days anyway. But hey, let's uh, let before we wrap things up here. I don't want to go too soon. I want to get your thoughts coming out of this past weekend. Only four teams. 
teams remain as we march down to the Super Bowl. College football just uh, finished wrapping up their season with a champion, <clears throat> the Ohio State Buckeyes. So now the NFL looking to follow suit. And what were your thoughts last weekend on the games themselves? We talked about Mariota earlier. One thing I mentioned was just uh, earlier in the show when I was talking about him, I said, man, I just didn't see that grab your team by the by the collar and pull him up that I thought I was going to see out of him last night. Uh, and it remi- uh, the perfect example when I mentioned that is Aaron Rodgers this past weekend. And I know some people are going to say, oh, man, uh, you like Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I do. And it's not just for the passes that he throws, man. I believe he's the definition of what a quarterback does. And I go back to that clip. I mentioned it the other day, Doc, when you're watching the game and uh, he threw a nice out pass right at the sideline. Cobb made a hell of a catch on the sideline. There was about 20 seconds left in the first half, and Aaron Rodgers is dragging one leg behind him, hopping down the field, getting his team back to the line, and you can tell. I mean, that, when other guys see that, that's when they, they'll run through a wall for a guy because they're like, man, this guy's out here dragging one leg behind him and, and leading us down the field. There's no way that I cannot give 110% of my effort as well. Uh, but that's that kind of thing, that, 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 that intangible of grabbing your team and pulling them up with you and saying, let's go do this, and they do it with you. And I think... I don't know. I was a little surprised I didn't see as much of that as I thought I would out of Mariota, but I did see it out of Aaron Rodgers this past weekend, yep. and uh, and and again, that was a tough one too. They had to over overcome the uh, the catch that was and wasn't at the same time, and they had to overcome Demarco Murray and and Aaron Rodgers' injury. But he got and, and dude, what do you think? Since we're talking about that game, he got warmed up as the game went on. You could tell he was feeling good by the second half. I think that it was a combination of the. Uh, the painkillers that he took and the adrenaline that was flowing and the blood that was pumping, he started to get used to the pain, get a little pain tolerance going. And in the second half, he was much more Aaron Rodgers-like. But, uh, you know, well, this weekend it'll be a different challenge for him. But what were your thoughts on Rodgers and the Packers? You know, um, I've heard a couple of people refer to uh, what he did uh, the other day uh, being very uh, Willis Reed like, if uh, you could remember yeah. the New York Knicks from the uh, yeah. oh, early nineteen seventies. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was my second place after uh, Yankee Stadium and Giant Stadium to grow up was Madison Square Garden, and uh, you know I've seen I I had seen some Knicks games back then with him in uniform, and uh, you know people calling Aaron Rodgers Mister Clutch, and uh, maybe he is. Uh, maybe this is the Packers year again. <laughs> Maybe Seattle doesn't doesn't do it. Uh, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but uh, you, you know it also surprises me just as much that we're hearing you know all this sore loser stuff out of Cowboy Nation. I would have expected them to be a <laughs> little more respectable than they're being. Well, you know, I thought too is it's hard for them to really uh, be too loud with their complaints, considering the way they got into the divisional round the week before. Right, it's, that makes it almost like you just have to eat it. You just have to be quiet and eat it because you can't say anything at this point because it's exactly how you got here. And you were smiling last week and saying, "Well, we we can't say nothing." Well, that's the way they saw it. Well, again, uh, it worked out that way against them. But hey, you just. Since you kind of touched on it, I'll just go there. Aaron Rodgers, that's great that he did what he did, and I, I say he warmed up in the second half. But uh, 
if he is because you know in the first half man he was immobile he was having a hard time getting going it wasn't until late in the first half as i said he started to get the blood pumping a bit and really got able to move and get out of the way in the pocket a bit if he's that much of a sitting duck even if it's just for the first half against seattle then i don't think green bay has a chance i think if anything man maybe i i get aaron Rodgers warming up a a couple hours earlier for this game because i don't think that uh that they can sit through a first half where he's a sitting duck because I think that Seattle defense is just going to eat them apart. What do you? What odds do you give the Packers being able to go with a gimp Aaron Rodgers go to Seattle and and beat the uh, the Seahawks? Well, I think it's going to be less of a gimp, uh, you know, with the leg this time. Uh, obviously, he's getting ten unit treatments every day. Okay, and uh, and if I were Aaron Rodgers, the money he's made, you know, I'd have a you know, I have a hyperbaric chamber in my house. <laughs> in the house, you know, to, yes, absolutely. In the house to yeah. get ready for this. Um, you know, I think he's getting worked over. Uh, I think he's seeing the chiropractor. I think he's seeing the physical therapist. Uh, it'll still be bothering him on Sunday, but I think uh, it'll be bothering him far less than it was this past weekend uh, with that extra time to get it, to get a little healthier. And uh, I think if he stays, again, stays within his comfort zone, uh all things considered, and if he doesn't uh, try to do things he can't do, then I think they have a very, very good chance. I think they're the only team at this point that matches up well with Seattle at all. So what do you think, man? I'm going to put you on the spot, because by the time you and I talk again, we'll have a Super Bowl matchup all set in place. Does does Green Bay go to Seattle and win, or is Seattle parking their, punching their ticket to a, a second consecutive Super Bowl? Well, uh, I'll, before I say before I answer that, I'll say this: by the time we talk again, uh, we will have a Super Bowl champion. Because next week I will be uh, doing another uh, the other side of media oh, that I do, and I won't be right. available yes. for the show. So I'm I'm going to let you know right now that I'll see you again in two weeks. But uh, yeah, I think they can do it. I think this is the one team that can upset Seattle. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to pick against the uh, uh, the. Uh, the sea, the sea babies. I'm, I'm going to go against them. I think uh, this time, uh, again, this is the one team that matches up with them offensive defense and defense to offense that could knock them out. And uh, hey, if I'm wrong, uh, we'll talk about it in two weeks when they win the Super Bowl. If they are there, I'll eat my, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eat my words. I'll be respectable. I won't be a sore winner <laughs> or a sore loser like some Cowboy fans. Man, wow. Hey, you know what? That's going out on a limb. I will give you that, man, because the easy one is to say Seattle, 12th man. Nobody's leaving this house with a victory, but hey, Dr. Football putting it out there. How about on the other side? Let's do it real quick before uh, you and I let you go and do your thing. And the AFC, we touched a little bit at the beginning of our segment here about the Broncos. Obviously, their loss uh, set in motion a lot of uh, decisions that they have to make and the change in the coaching staff. Andrew Luck gets that that really big playoff victory kind of signature win that a lot of people are calling it here, um, but really uh, continues his evolution to being the quarterback in the game. He's in that journey. You're watching it. I don't care what anybody says. You're watching that evolution of Andrew Luck into the next franchise of the NFL type quarterback. One of those 
mainstay guys, and that was a big step for him. I don't think he makes any more steps this season because now he's got to go to Foxborough where the Patriots were able to take their best shot and answer back and roll them earlier in the season. And uh, Patriots, I'll tell you what, I think they uh, they took their toughest shot yet when they withstood the Baltimore Ravens because Baltimore gave them guys everything that they could handle and they had That's to right. dig deep. They had to dig deep to win that game. But I think that that's gonna propel them right to the Super Bowl. New England uh New England pulled up and really took that game and I think they'll do the same thing here. I don't even think now see, last week I said it wasn't even gonna be competitive with Denver and the Colts, so maybe Andrew Luck uh will appreciate this, but I don't think that they can hang with the Patriots. I think it's close for a half and then New England pulls away in the second half again, much like earlier in the season. But what are you thinking on that side? Yeah, you know, uh sorry to say I have to uh I'm disappointed but I have to agree with you. I really thought boy, uh I really thought the Elway uh, Manning triumphant was the only thing that could derail the New England Patriots uh, train back to the Super Bowl. And now that that's not going to happen, uh, I, you know we're looking at a New England Seattle Super Bowl at this point. If Seattle does win, um, you know uh, anything could happen. I could be wrong, and again, if I'm wrong, I'll be glad to uh, say <laughs> I was wrong and eat my words. But uh, you know, I can't see the Patriots losing this game. Yeah, me too. Same here. I think the Patriots and the uh, uh, are definitely punching them, themselves a ticket to the AFC side of the Super Bowl coming up. But hey, you know, Andrew Luck showed it wrong once. Maybe, maybe he will. Uh, he'll do it again here coming up this week. But I just don't. Uh, I don't see it. I think that one. That one last week with the Ravens. That was the one where. The, the the Patriots were on the ropes and they they came back and they bounced back and again it shows why I don't care people hate the Patriots aren't going to like this and it's maybe where you turn off the show it showed why Tom Brady's the man showed why Bill Belichick's the man plain and simple and you know what all the talk too about uh, oh the illegal formations and then New England cheated again I don't understand that I don't understand how coming up with an offensive formation that is legal but looks completely different and therefore is unprepared for. How does out-coaching the other team, how does coming up with something nobody else has ever done, how is that not an admirable quality? To me, that is incredibly admirable that in a sport where everybody's done everything all these different ways, you came up with something that nobody else has really tried before, and everybody's up in arms. For those of you that don't know, there's a lot of controversy with the four offensive linemen instead of five and the ability to have an extra receiver on the field. And it's up to the defense to figure out who's eligible, who's ineligible, but there's an extra guy running all over the place, and it's a completely legal deal. But uh, a lot of people, oh, man, the Patriots cheating again. What were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, you know, I always had a great deal of respect for Belichick when he was the coordinator. Um, I kind of lost some of that when he became a head coach for some of these uh, antics. But I have to agree with you in this point. Uh, there really wasn't anything wrong with what he did. Uh, the other team wasn't prepared for it, and neither were the officials. That's what the only problem was. You know, I mean, that was I the only it. problem in this case. But uh, you know. You really got to let it go at some point. Again, the same way the Cowboy fans have to let it go. You got to let it go. It's the way the but, game was played. 
Here's my thing. Whenever you're running stuff like that, you have to declare it before the game. You have to let the oh, officials yeah. know that we may be doing this. So clearly everything was on the up and up. Everything was already, hey, we may do this. Okay, well, it's legal if you do. To me, that's like... And I don't know who invented it. I don't know enough about basketball history. I don't know who was the first person to invent the box and one or, you know, different types of zones or whatnot. I don't know. I'm guessing that the first time a defense ran a, a version of the zone blitz where they just ran uh, nine guys up to the line and you didn't know which ones were blitz. I'm sure teams were saying the same. Oh, is this fair? Is Are you able to do this? I think it's, again, it's an evolution of coaching. And uh, to me, that's what we're supposed to do. And there's a reason that it's hard to do that to come up with something that nobody's ever tried before, seen before, whatever. And, to fault him. You can say it's messed up. I saw a shot in the chat room say, man, how are you supposed to figure out who's eligible, who's ineligible? I, That's your problem as a defensive coordinator because right. I just came up with something that you can't figure out. It's just like the first time somebody ran the zone read or the first time somebody ran the, the triple option or whatever, you know? You have to figure it, it, it out. It's, now, the, same you, thing, it's yeah. the same thing in high school football with the A11 offense that right, people can't you know, figure it out or, or exactly. not punting on fourth down. Uh, this school in Texas that has never punted in a high school football game at all, and, uh, you know, they've only lost three games in, like, five years. Uh, you know, same thing. Ask your buddy, the, the head coach of the Lake Erie Monsters, uh, you know, how if he looks back in the history books, how coaches felt the first time uh, a team pulled their goalie with less than a minute to go. Oh, no, absolutely. You know, you look at some of the uh, the new modern uh, variations of the fake punt where you'll see. As a matter of right. fact, they, you even saw a bit of it last night with the shift that Oregon attempted before yep. Ohio State called timeout where you'll end up with a center and two guards and everybody else heads off to the left side of the field. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? Where's everybody going? Again, unique stuff. And I'm just saying that as long as you are not violating the rules. I mean, to me, you just get, that's one where it sucks, where afterwards, if I'm the other coach, I sit there and go, damn that Belichick, man. That's that's wrong. Like, but it's not. How the hell did he, fi- first off, I'm trying to figure out how he figured that out, if I'm the other coach, and then going, damn, that's why you should get credit because people, again, haters are going to hate. And I'm not saying that he didn't cheat and do Spygate and all of that. Of course he did. But to me, this is just simply outsmarting the rest of the league, man. And uh, there was, I thought it was cool. I'm one of those guys that gets into that because I appreciate uh, in any sport or any business, just doing something that nobody else has ever thought to do and it working. I think there's something to be said for that. Hell, in coaching, what are we supposed to do? We're just all supposed to coach the players and win games based on our talent. Hell no. The best coaches are the ones that change the league. Why does everybody say that uh, Paul Brown was so great? Not just because he was the coach of the the Browns back in the day. He did things that changed the game at the time, such as inventing the idea of the practice squad or you know what I mean? Like there's those are game-changing things that eventually evolved into things, but it gave him a heads up on the rest of the league. He could stash six or eight players that the rest of the league couldn't touch because he gave him a job with the taxi company, you know, McBride in the in the early days of the uh Cleveland Browns, you know, so again, and it is deception. I will give you that, but isn't a double reverse 
pitch into a flea flicker? Isn't that an incredibly deceptive play? Wait a minute. You can't hand it off to one guy and then hand it off to the other guy and then pitch it back to the quarterback. Or or what about those uh, reverses that end up with the wide receiver passing it to the quarterback? And you go, well, wait a minute. The quarterback's not an eligible receiver. How could he go out and catch a pass? He is an eligible receiver. Again, it's people that evolve the game, and I just thought, Man, you can be mad as you want that Bill got the best of you for one weekend, but he did. And now if you're a good coach, you've seen it on film, you'll never get caught with it again, but it got you where you needed to go if you're the Patriots. It got you one more game. To me, that's being a masterful head coach. That's just my thoughts on that. And you know what? I'll leave you with this because, uh, you know, it's three great quotes on that that I've heard from three different people. The first one was my dad, and I remember being a young kid when uh, Richard Nixon was going through his trials and tribulations, and my father said, hey, he didn't do anything that, that any other president didn't do. He just got caught. And, uh, you know, same thing, Steinbrenner, when he took over the Yankees, and, you know, I'm by far a baseball guy, but uh, I did pay a little attention to it when I was a kid. And uh, same thing, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, I hear you there, but and you see, to me, that insinuates that, that he got away with cheating, and I don't believe. But I I do understand that expression, it's especially in baseball. I just that insinuates that he got away with something wrong. I don't think he did. I just think he thought of something that nobody else ever thought of. And the best part is when he explained it afterwards. He said, "Hey, I didn't come up with this." He said, "I come up with this version of it." But I was actually watching somebody else's game film in the NFL, and they did a variation of this. And I just said, well, wait a minute. If they did it this way, what if we did it this way? And I checked with the NFL, and the NFL said it was okay. So we decided, hey, we're going to save this for a rainy day. And sure enough, it happened to rain on that game in Baltimore. But he actually took the germ of the idea from somebody else in another NFL team that did something similar, and he evolved it to me. That's what you pay a head coach for, to to evolve something, to see another team do it and go, well, hell, wait a minute. If you could do that, what if I pulled this guy here and did that? That's being great at what you do. And some people can't understand that thought process. I can. This is not videotape and practice. This is just coming up with something nobody else ever thought of. So you got what, Patriots and the Packers in the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, I definitely, I'm going to definitely go with Green Bay, but I'm still going to be up in the air with the AFC. Uh, it's too close to call. Really? You think the Colts have a shot here with Andrew Luck? A minor shot. A minor shot. You know what? Uh, I will, since I won't be with you next week after the game, I'll text you so you could, uh, you, you can get out there and at least have some comments for me and, uh, I'll tell you why, uh, what happened if it happened? So I'll give you that much uh, because yeah. I'm still I'm still drawing my conclusions here. I got to look at all my variables and I need to look at my uh, offensive statistics. The two teams against uh, similar opponents with similar systems over the next couple well, of days. I'll tell you what, Bill. Let's let you and I talk off the air. Let's see what your schedule is next week. Maybe we can find a different day or something and find a way to. Uh get some thoughts from you coming out of the championship games. Either way, it's a lot of fun this week, and we've got a lot more to go as we continue to plow the way to a Super Bowl, and then you and I 
Our work has just begun. We start to do your bread and butter and diving into the draft. Dr. Football, great conversation, talking Buckeyes and Ducks and Browns and NFL and coaches and playoffs and Peyton Manning and all kinds of stuff. And Bill Belichick and a good, uh, good hour-long conversation. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today, my friend. Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, like I said, always an honor and a pleasure to work with somebody who really gets it in this business. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm still doing a little bit of it is, is uh, because of you, J-Rock. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm glad to have you here, man, every week. So I'm looking forward to next week. Do it. We'll find a way. We're going to find a way to get you. It may not be Tuesday, but we'll figure something out. Yeah, maybe Monday. Maybe Monday, yeah, Monday while I'm in process, me. while Let's... I'm in route going to uh, from here to Vegas to the uh, shooting outdoor trades convention show. Let's uh, you definitely, and I figure it uh, out. Monday would be the day. Let's you and I figure it out here over the week, and we'll get we'll get set for next right. week. You have a good one, my friend. Enjoy the playoff games, championship round this weekend, and we'll catch up next week. All right, J-Rock. You be good, and uh, you guys in the chat room behave, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, my man, Dr. Football. You guys can tweet with them, as always, at Ask Dr. Football. Ask Dr. Football on Twitter, and he's here every Tuesday live on the Sports Fix. Talking NFL, talking draft, talking college football. Who knows? Dr. Football here every Tuesday. Let's take a break and come on back. Still more Sports Fix to go. We've got to get the stage set for the Cavaliers as they get back in action tonight. LeBron better play. That's all I'm saying, man. Now, we got Cavaliers to get ready for tonight. We'll talk a little bit too. Man, that Rob Conrad. You guys, we told the story uh, the other day about the the, uh, harrowing tale of his nine-mile swim to shore as it first came out. Nah, they added more details. (laughs) This is a made-for-TV movie right here, swimming with sharks and and jellyfish. And, man, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Set the stage for the Cavs tonight and so much more. Don't go anywhere. Final segment. Hey, if you want to get in on the phones, last chance, 216-539-7535. 216-539-7535. Final segment of the Sports Fix coming up next. There's something, I'll say there's something kind of yeah about a kid that's never played baseball. Throwing you the best sports commentary in town, the Sports Fix. Guys, want to take just a second as we head into this break and remind you about the official business printing source of the Sports Fix, our friends at Signs and Ship. Signs and Ship, I'm telling you, Chris and Pam, they've taken care of me since day one, and they can do the same for you. Whether you're a small business that's already been established and you're looking to grow to that next level and expand your business, or perhaps you've got an idea that you just know is going to be a great business and you need to figure out how to brand it and how to promote it and put it out there, Signs and Ship is the place for you. If you need a logo, they can create one for you. They have a fantastic graphic designer. Business cards, signs, banners, yard signs, mobile advertising, anything you can think of that you need to promote your business, they've got it at Signs and Ship. The best thing about them, too, is each of their locations, whether it's the home base here in Elyria, Ohio that I work with, or their spots in Virginia, Florida, and Pennsylvania. It's all local sourced. Very important to me because we all understand that small business is the lifeblood of the community. So check them out, signsandship.com, or call Chris and Pam today, 440-323-6060, the home office in Elyria, Ohio. Signs and Ship, quality printing at affordable prices. It's an addiction. The Sports Fix will be right back. 
fantasy sports lovers, you put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and, and starts, starts getting, getting real. real. Real time spent making real decisions, creating real victory. I'm the greatest man in the world! And when the smoke clears, you want to show off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Yeah. Nobody, Nobody does, does that, that like, like Fantasy, Fantasy Jocks. Jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts, rings, trophies, and so much more for all your fantasy sports needs. The trophy's 12 feet high, and it is glorious! Football, baseball, hoops, you name it, they have it. Plus, they have awesome draft kits and party supplies to make all your preseason activities the envy of everyone. If your league needs a ring, belt, or trophy, or you want to upgrade what you already have, there's literally only one place to go. If you're going to be a fantasy jock, do it right. It's mine. The most magnificent belt ever created. And it's mine. With America's fantasy sports superstore, fantasyjocks.com. The Sports Fix is now available every day on the world's largest internet radio service, iHeartRadio. Download the free iHeartRadio app, subscribe to the show, and get your fix. No football? No problem at Harry Buffalo North Olmsted. The excitement never stops. Every day of the week brings a different set of food and amazing drink specials. And now Fans, Harry Buffalo North Olmsted is the home for every UFC pay-per-view live on the big screens. Let's get it all! And let's not forget their mouth-watering trademark, the Bison Burger. They sure are good. Nobody does bison like Harry Buffalo. The perfect combination of healthy and delicious. Hey there, eat up, y'all. You this good church-going folk. Y'all deserve a little treat. What are you waiting for? Get to Harry Buffalo, just outside Great Northern Mall today. Harry Buffalo, Harry Buffalo. join the herd. Join the herd. Hey, this is Alonzo G. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Hopefully tonight, when the Cavaliers play that song that they play at the beginning of every game with that video there, there's no place like home. There's also a, no place like a five-game losing streak to snap in Phoenix right here because LeBron James better be throwing some powder when this one tips off. I know he's listed as a, a game-time decision here tonight, but to me, the vacation has ended. I mean, okay, I see what happened. Uh, everybody was pointing fingers at LeBron. He took took some time off. They made a few trades. He finished up his vacation in Dallas, and then boom, next day happens to be just a few miles away in Phoenix. Kind of worked out real coincidentally. Now everybody appreciates LeBron a little bit more. There's been some trades. He got to see his football game. Let's see if he gets back on the basketball court. I'm being a smartass, but I'm just saying, I don't know that I'm – that I'm not uh, completely wrong about that when you look at the timing of uh, the 10 days that LeBron James took off. Assuming he comes back tonight, it would be uh, 10 days that he was off there. I'm just saying, the timing, just my timeline's not off. Tell me that my timeline's wrong. That's all I'm asking, is to tell me that my timeline's wrong. 
but uh, we'll see. But if he doesn't play tonight, that's a bad look. When you're bouncing up and down on the sidelines after the game, when you're hopping up and down with Damon Jones in the booth and uh, all of that stuff, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, just play ball tonight, man. Cavaliers need to play ball. I don't care who's on the court. LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, I don't care who's a max player. Uh, arguments about the most dumb semantic things. Uh, whole portions of the media today focusing on David Blatt talking about is Kevin Love a max player? What a dumb way to go with such an offhanded comment. Like the second he said it and people jumped on it, I'm like, he simply was. It's like when people get semantical with me, like when I say, you know, like something and it'll be like one digit off. Like in, in it, but it's a digit that's not significant like you know obviously in a five figure number the first digit is very significant the last one is not and I always hate when people like will try to use an insignificant detail to try to trash something and you're like but that is that has nothing to do with what we're even talking about but I guess since I was one number off that trashes my whole point forget the rest of it anyways uh, what David Blatt was talking about had nothing to do with where people went with it it's not like do you really think okay I get it that some people think he's this clueless European coach who's just waiting to get fired and doesn't know a thing about basketball. But do you think he's that stupid that he looked in the media and said, Kevin Love's not that good, man. Come on, seriously, because that's where people went with it. Like, like David Blatt looked at the camera and said, hold tight. Uh, tell me you didn't just call Kevin Love a max player. Kevin Love, he's no max player. Come on, guys. But that's where that's where that's where some people went with that. And the messed up thing is instead of that five or ten minutes that David Blatt needs to spend figuring out why his team's not playing for him and why they've lost five in a row and did not even try over the weekend should have been spent there instead of answering that dumb, incredibly stupid question and narrative that people went with it. To me, there's a difference. Now, you want to question guys' effort. You want to talk about the way LeBron was attacking things earlier in the season. Those are legitimate things that you have questions about. This was, come on, man. Did you really, you really think that's what he meant? You know what? You know where that came from? People that didn't even actually hear it. They just saw five words on a piece of paper and that's what happens when you isolate five words out of a statement and then take it. Anything can be taken out of context. But regardless, he's having to talk about it. We, I just had to talk about it. So stupid. Uh, that focus needs to be on why this team isn't winning basketball games. And it's not just because LeBron James is not on the basketball court. You can tell me they're 1-8 and eight without him. I can tell you that they're only a handful of games over 500 with him. That being said, the sooner he gets back, the process begins to rebuild some chemistry here and get this team working together and get themselves uh, some some things cooking for themselves in the second half. I definitely think, as I said after the trades, this team is constructed better than they were before they made these trades. Absolutely. And they'll be a better team. They're still not going to win a championship. They're still not at that level at all. Uh, but they're a better team. They fit a little bit better. That's just, that's be relative. They fit a little bit better. I'm telling you, man, there's cats. They hit me up and go, ah, oh, J-Rock, just wait. Once LeBron gets back and the Cavs are on a 10-game winning streak, everybody will be happy again. Okay, well, uh, let's just let's just go win one and then two. Let, let me know when we get to 10. Start with Phoenix tonight. Um, Cavaliers, assuming that they have LeBron James back, would be their closest to full strength since uh, they uh, had LeBron go out, Verizhao go out, uh, Marion as well. I believe Marion's expected to play tonight uh, after he set out one more game the other day. 
Uh, he should play no matter what, although that's also a game-time decision. But if, if those two play tonight, then you'll just be missing Shumpert, who will join you in a week or two, from what will be the full group of what you're going to have going forward here. Um, hey, look, man, I don't even want to talk about points, rebounds. You can tell me about double-doubles by Kevin Love and Mozgov the other day. I don't care. They got blown out of the building against a very subpar Sacramento team. The Cavaliers are at 500 on the season, and they're facing a Suns team that's a hair above 500. They're 22 and 18. Cavaliers 19 and 19. And uh, the Suns play an up and down style of ball. They definitely. Uh, I mean, this game is going to fall, I think, right into uh, with the kind of game that the, the lazy side of the Cavaliers like to play because it's a team that will just go up and down the court. Nobody wants to play any defense, go back and forth. Phoenix is uh, – that's a David Griffin-type team over there. They score a buck seven, they give up a buck five. Like I said, they don't play a lick of defense either, so it could turn into a track meet for both teams. And uh, that's what I expect to see happen. Will it, will it turn out on the winning side for the Cavs? I don't know. Cavs just 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They've lost five in a row. Phoenix uh, struggling a bit themselves. They're coming into this game two losses in a row uh, after splitting their last road trip there. However, uh, against the East, Phoenix has won six straight, 12 of their last 18. And uh, they're also on a three-game home winning streak before they went on that road trip. So Phoenix is happy to get back home. And the Cavaliers hopefully happy and hopefully getting back LeBron James tonight. That'll go a long way to uh, hopefully putting this team back in the right trade. If he doesn't play tonight, there I could just see the uh, reaction that I'm going to get up up in arms. But uh, let's see what happens with that here as uh, the uh, Cavaliers say game time decision. We'll see. Either way, this team has no excuse for playing the way they did the other day. And no matter who's on the doggone floor for them tonight, they better get out there and play harder. Uh, Vashon in the chat room talking about Mozgov. Uh, I don't know if you heard, I was mentioning it uh, when we talked about it, that you can say size and rim protector are two different things. I laughed at the, yesterday. I said rim protector when uh, DeMarcus Cousin misses a jumper at the elbow and Mozgov's directly under the hoop and Rudy Gay went up one-handed and put that ball down in his face, knocked Mozgov back about uh, 18 inches or so. I said, yeah. There's your rim protector. It gives you a big guy in the paint. It's going to help. As I said, Cavaliers are better constructed than they were before they made the trades. That does not address the elephant in the room that they were poorly constructed from the beginning. So you still have a lot of it's the fit of the pieces, getting them together. And they don't have the right fit, but they have a better fit than they did. And getting LeBron James back will definitely help them with that fit here tonight. We'll see. Suns, Cavaliers, and by the way, I saw Charles in the chat room say, good luck staying up. Actually, it's not the latest of the late-night Cavs ball tonight because Phoenix is a time zone ahead of the West-West Coast. So you've actually got a 9 p.m. tip-off tonight. Eh, probably, uh, you know, 11 11.30 wrap-up, so not the latest night here, so yeah, too late you have to stay up. Cavaliers and Suns, 9 p.m. Eastern time tip-off from U.S. Airways Arena in Phoenix, and let's see what the Cavs do tonight. A couple of things I wanted to talk about here on the 
as we do the wraparound here for the end of the day. Speaking of of NBA, real quick, did you guys see Kevin Garnett getting into it with Dwight Howard? Headbutt, the slap, the the uh, the ball thrown, the ejection. Man, getting a little little chippy there. KG, he uh, he still got a little bit of buck up in him, man, and. Uh, uh, Dwight Howard, and it was an interesting scene. I I didn't I don't know if I posted it, but I'll post it on our Facebook pages if I didn't. And next thing you know, Garnett's getting held back, and <laughs> he's ready to go. Uh, Dwight Howard, KG, getting at it, and uh, Dwight Howard tried to take the take the high road. He said, "I'll do my I'll do my damage later when it's time in the playoffs, man." Because uh, KG was going going for his manhood there, man, and. Uh, uh, anyways, LeBron knows about that manhood and KG. They don't like each other very much either. But uh, uh, interesting little clip if you guys saw that, man. I got a little hot and heated in that uh, in that game there. All right, guys, a couple of other things wrapping up the show today. A couple of Ohio State notes. Buckeyes, of course, as you know. Maybe you didn't know. If you didn't know, they're the national champions. Besides that, uh, I got a little scared when I saw the uh, Urban Meyer promised tattoo headline because you know we don't have the best luck with the whole Buckeyes and the tattoos and I said oh man are we really going down that road but uh, did you guys see Jeff Herman he told USA Today that uh, Coach Meyer apparently told the locker room that if they beat Alabama and then went on to uh, beat Oregon or whoever they played in the championship he'd get a tattoo so apparently Urban Meyer has a guys usually commit to him he's committed himself to getting a tattoo in commemoration of this championship here Uh, just pay for it just make sure you pay for it up front use a a credit card or a check make sure you take a photo of the payment and Stay away from Buckeye tattoo issues, Coach. We got a dynasty coming here. I'd prefer not to see uh, us have to give it all back over a uh, unpaid for block O on the back of your calf or whatnot. But anyways, Urban Meyer getting tatted up, and uh, some Southern Ohio people are getting hooked up thanks to the Buckeyes. Um, we hear about this all the time. I'm sure there'll be one coming up for the Super Bowl here. But a uh, Ashley Furniture. Down in southern Ohio, they ran a promotion through their chain of 15 stores in southern Ohio and northern Kentucky. From December 17th until New Year's Day, anybody who spent more than $2,000 on furniture, if the Ohio State Buckeyes won the national championship by seven or more points, they would get their entire bill refunded and paid for. Uh, You guys hear about these kind of promotions all the time. Well, with the 22-point Ohio State victory, uh, that indeed cashed itself in. Ashley Furniture, their series of stores, had over 500, nearly 600 customers who have qualified to get refunds. The total cost will be over $1.5 million of free furniture given away. Now, you know, we've talked about this before. There's an insurance policy that you get that pays that and uh, and all of that. And people can choose to get a cash rebate for their original amount, or this is pretty smart, 110% on a store gift card. Hey, you may be able to convince some of those people to keep that money right in your store. But uh, anyways, a million and a half bucks. 
the uh, insurance is paying for most of it. They had to underwrite it. But other than that, that's all it caught them. A whole lot of free furniture. And it's great publicity. Hell, think about how many shows just like me today around the country. Probably hundreds of them are mentioning that in their discussion when you start looking for uh, off-the-beaten-trail things to talk about for the national championship game, those other angle stories. There's one right there. But And that 110%, that's actually the first time that I've heard of that that's a good way to keep the money in the store. Instead of just giving people the, the free merch, you get them to uh, spend that money right back in on something else. Give them the little 10% bonus. But uh, there you go, man. I'll tell you, man, that's a risk. I, you got to give those people credit. That's a risk because, uh, you know, obviously some of those cats were going to spend that money. Anyway, some of them are like, you know what? I'm going to gamble on the Buckeyes and the Buckeyes paid them off. There you go. Cool little story. Speaking of cool stories, I want to wrap the show up with this. We talked about Rob Conrad last week, and uh, at first, the story, he goes off the side of his... uh, of his fishing boat at night outside uh, in, in the water, southern Florida, nine hours. We talked about, I think it was Friday when that story first broke uh, over the weekend. It really started to get out there. Man, uh, Rob Conrad sat down with the media. Uh, I think it was over the weekend. No, it was yesterday, actually. And it, <laughs> the story becomes way more amazing than what we talked about. I mean, initially it was talked about nine hours or nine miles swim and uh, and in the cold at night. Well, when you hear him tell the story and you can see the emotion just pouring out of him as he explains it, nearly 16 hours was his overnight ordeal. What had happened, because this was one of our questions when we were talking about it, was how did he get away from the boat where he couldn't just get back on his boat? He had his boat on autopilot, so when he went over over the uh, overboard on the boat, the boat kept moving without him, and so the boat was moving at a quicker pace than he could catch up. He tried to catch up to his boat. Next thing he knows, it's taken off without him. He's over nine miles from shore, uh, but he ended up he ended up having to cover twenty seven miles, <laughs> twenty seven miles in the water because of the direction that he went so when his uh when his boat kept going without him he finds himself about uh, uh you know in the middle of the water here uh by himself with a long trip to go um and he said as he's going uh, he's coming across sharks in the water he's being stung by jellyfish as he's moving uh trying to keep himself going and uh you know some of the just some of the different details. Some of the uh, if you've got kids, you can definitely feel a tug in your heartstrings as he talks about what kept him going. His family kept him moving, and he told twice. It's like uh, you've seen. Um uh, come on, uh, Castaway, the Tom Hanks movie, uh, you know, where he almost gets rescued. Is He twice, Conrad almost got rescued. He said one point during his 27-mile voyage here as he's swimming, a fishing boat goes past him, got as close as 50 yards away, but he couldn't get them to, uh, to hear him from the water, and they kept going. Man, that's got to be a kick in the gut there. Then during the search, the Coast Guard helicopter was over top of him, and he said they put the, the lights right on him 
still didn't see him and kept going. And he thought about giving up right there because now he's thinking there's absolutely no way that anybody's going to save me. He knew that he was his exact words. He knew I was completely on my own at that point there. He's getting uh, stung by jellyfish. There's sharks circling around. Uh, I mean, that is as harrowing as it can get. He finally got himself up to the shore, reached land. Paramedics came and got him. They found his boat miles away as it had taken off on, uh, on its own. And his boat was found. How ironic is this? His boat was found in an area known as dead man's reef. I mean, that's some crazy irony. And, uh, he turned around and headed the opposite. That's for sure from the dead man's reef. But man, just, uh, the story was bad enough. And we were talking about it. You're like, man, that's badass. He went nine miles and man, uh, then you hear that. And to think, man, cause I could, I can tell you, man, I can imagine uh, the kick in the gut of being that close to being rescued and they pass you and then the, the copter that's looking for you, man, at that point you start going, man, I'm going to, I'm going to drown right here. But he kept himself alive, kept himself going. Say he wasn't even much of a swimmer, thought his football uh, uh, expertise, not expertise, his, his uh, football muscles in shape, being uh, the cardiovascular performance, all of that perhaps kept him alive and was able to get him to shore but just nuts man i'll tell you i don't know that i could have done that and if i did it would definitely take something like thinking of your kids and them grabbing you by the boot talk about grabbing you by the bootstraps we were talking about that earlier dragging you to victory that's dragging you to life right there hell of a story about rob conrad all right guys that's where i want to end the show right here it's a hell of a day hell of a show because the buckeyes are the national champions, baby. Hopefully you enjoyed talking about it with us today. We're not done talking about it. Tomorrow, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan in the house. We will definitely enjoy picking up the conversation with him. John McMullen from the Sports Network will be here. We'll talk about the NFL, the playoffs that passed, the coaching searches, and we will preview a couple of championship games with John McMullen. Doug Plagans, voice of the Lake Erie Monsters, he's here tomorrow as well as we get a hump day sports fix coming your way and we start moving downhill towards the weekend so enjoy the evening enjoy some cavaliers hoops tonight 9 p.m tip off come on back here tomorrow and let's do it hump day sports fix same bad time same bad channel live at noon you know where right here across the sports fix radio network we love you cleveland and beyond we'll see you tomorrow daddy right here on the sports fix in my teens, we keep getting closer every year. But we got the king, though, so hopefully we overcome. Yes, I have a dream, and I know I ain't the only one. Uh, uh, Modell tried to steal my heart, but we brought it back. Thanks to Cleveland Clinic, now they call them kids to cardiac. Rock cars, science center, tower city, all of that. Warehouse, district, Euclid corridor, and all the flat. You know that I'm a tribes fan, and I love slimings. Crockett Park's the perfect place for me to spend some time in. Baby, this is Cleveland. It is so much more to us. You can even go to Severance Hall to see an orchestra. Strong. Hey. Yeah.